Hello and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about syntactical disagreement in the opening. My name is Nobody, and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal in linguistics class. It's Vivian. How are you today, Vivian? <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting for Infinity Train. <laughs> <laughs> well, presumably you were expecting me to talk about Infinity Train, but... Uh... I mean, yes, because <laughs> that's what the show is now about. <laughs> it is, it is. But there is something we need to clear up before we can really get into the show. So, mm -hmm. all right, listen, my degree, my undergrad degree is in creative writing. It's English. And my uh, minor is linguistics. So do you trust me when I say that if I do the opening the way I've always done the opening, there is syntactical disagreement? <laughs> uh, Sure. <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing. If you say so, you are yeah. you are you are more of the expert than me. <laughs> Although Kate still has his both feet, but that's kind of a problem. Yeah, well, Kate's a biologist, so that, that's a totally different. Uh... Listen, I can tell you when words are bad. <laughs> but yeah, so the thing is, uh, this is our first episode covering Infinity Train, and you may have noticed, as we've said it several times now, it doesn't have a the in front of it. So if I were to use our original opening and go talk all about Infinity Train, there's an article missing there. To a native English speaker, it just sounds wrong because you want there to be a the between the, 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 you know, the subject and an adjective right. there. But it's not an adjective because it's a proper noun. So what we need to decide is whether I add the the to make it sound better or whether I do it plain and make everyone slightly uncomfortable forever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is more thought and effort that has gotten to this podcast in a while, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do you have a thought? Uh, I mean, I feel like just... I mean, I, I don't see how it's really any different, because like, she didn't have a the in front of it. Yeah, but she doesn't start with an adjective. That's the difference. So I guess, yeah. yeah. Talk all about Infinity Train feels a little weird if you're not paying too much attention just because of the fact that you're, you're moving straight from the subject into, or from the verb, rather, into the adjective. And even though it's a proper noun, it's still an adjective, and so that bothers people. <laughs> I, I suppose it makes sense when you put it like that. Yeah. But uh, I have truly no preference either way. I am very okay with being the nagging feeling that something is wrong behind the curtains, but I figured I should get your input on that because we're going to be sticking with it for a while. <laughs> uh, for like half in the year, more or less. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, Alright, now we've got that out of the way, how was your week? Uh, well, I mean, at least uneventful compared to the last uh, month and a half has been, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear, yeah. Yeah, like, unfortunately, no shit's been going on yet. <laughs> Putting that yet in there, this way, when it does, I won't be surprised. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's like, mostly just, uh, you know, I, I mean, aside from uh, starting to play Phantom Brigade a few days ago, not a whole lot different going on. Although I did, get, I did finally do the thing I've been saying I was going to do for like a year and a half or so there. I finally booted up Ring Fit again. <laughs> to try to get back to, I, I, I mean, I 
can't say really get back to X because the X was not really there to begin with. Yeah. Like I've not never really been like a like necessarily like strong or like high endurance person, but I'm like yeah, but like it's hard to tell if HRT is really taking away anything or if there still just really wasn't much to begin with anyway. <laughs> but I'm like yeah, but it's also just like it's probably worthwhile to just you know do this every few days just for. Funsies, maybe something will change. Uh, what I definitely uh, did not remember is maybe you shouldn't go ahead and attach a Joy-Con and a leg strap to your thigh that you had just done an injection to, because that's oh, no. true what I did on Sunday. <laughs> uh, surprisingly, not that terrible. It wasn't the worst. Uh, like a few days, like three days later when I was playing it again, that was definitely still my legs feeling like, oh, we have not recovered since uh, Sunday. Nope. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they felt like, basically felt like jelly or whatever. And I was only going to play for like six minutes before I was like, I, nope, <laughs> I'm good. Let's <laughs> get the cool down. <laughs> but yeah, nah, it's like... I mean, Ring Fit still is cool. It's still still Ring Fit. It's like it's everybody knows what Ring Fit is by this point. Yeah. But now as many people know, Phantom Brigade, aka Austin Walker Serotonin, because it's uh, big stompy mechs that are basically doing insurrection, or not insurrection, doing a rebellion. <laughs> so, you know, basically like half his uh, tabletop campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I find it's way less like mechanically chunk like chunky than like uh something like BattleTech or even like an XCOM is, because it's like, it doesn't really feel like there's necessarily really like a fail state, because like you're you're basically like let through like the beginning tutorial that's like maybe like forty minutes or so of like here's how you like go around like capturing areas to like try to like free a zone and there's a bunch of zones and they all have like. They basically are like, this zone is like rated for like level 12 or whatever, and it's like the level is based on like the level of the gear that you get for your mech. Like the pilots don't have any like, uh, like stats or like uh, abilities with them on like Battletech and stuff like that. So it's like, it's it's all just dependent on like the gear that you salvage from missions to put on your new, your mechs and stuff. And like, fortunately, even though I've had some mechs like get real fucked up, like that stuff doesn't really like blow up, blow up. It's really just like dependent on how much, like, uh, salvage points you have at the end of the mission to get it back. Like, as we were talking, I had to leave an assault rifle behind because one of my mechs got real messed up, and it's like, <laughs> we have to recover this. The pilot is real hurt. Yeah. Not dead, though. But it's like, well, if I want to be able to get the baseline of this mech back up and running, I need to leave behind this gun and also the legs because I wanted to get the missile launcher that they were using to fuck me up because it was a, like, blue-quality item. So, like, a rare, so it's like... It's a. Uh, it's pretty much like, I'd say it plays a little bit more like. Uh, um, I'm trying to describe it. It's like you know, like the uh, the the time mechanic in uh, Into the Breach, where you like you see what the enemy's doing. Uh, no, no idea. Sorry. <laughs> okay, well, to explain a little bit, then Into the Breach is basically like it's it's another game that's like it's from the FTL creator, so it's like it's more of a puzzle game than like a like mech like RTS kind of game. Because, like, it shows you exactly what order things are going to happen and what enemies are going after. So it's more like, how do I, like, get in the way of them or reposition them to make them, like, miss their target? Because it's a lot of, like, making sure you don't lose, like, the power grid and don't making sure you don't lose enough civilians or else they'll stop caring about uh, what you're doing and thinking that you're not helping them out enough kind of deal. And, like, if you fuck it up real bad, it's like, well, this timeline's fucked. Let's go to that one. Blap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so fuck them, I guess. But uh, 
it's basically like it shows you exactly that order of like here's what's going on so it's more like how can i get through this with like the least amount of like losses more more or less this game kind of does something similar with like a time mechanic because like in like the the prologue you're basically like commander install your precognition module or whatever the fuck and it's like so that's how it like explains away why your character like why you can see like five seconds into the future so like you can go across like that timeline and see exactly where enemies are going to go and who they're going to target so <laughs> then it's like all right well i know that this guy's going to shoot like a like beam weapon that pierces through walls at me at this point so I can have my guy that has a shield, like, go and lock up and lift up the shield to try to block it a little bit kind of stuff. Yeah. Or, like, a, like a lot of the weapons have, like, a, like what's it called? Like, a, like, a, like, here's, like, minimum range and here's optimal range. So, like, it actually will tell you that and stuff. So, like, it's all, like, it's a lot of, like, trying to just position your guys around to make sure they don't get fucked up enough. And also being able to just, like, hit the enemies back well to deal with them. But sometimes, uh, as I also had in that one right before this, uh, that gun arm basically blew up. So I was like, shit, I only have a shield now on this guy. <laughs> I guess I'm going to tell him to raise up the shield as I walk him into the enemy mech to just fucking body check him. <laughs> and like, just watch them both do that and just run up to each other and stumble over as <laughs> they both crash. <laughs> but it stopped him from <clears throat> shooting the missile launcher, so it worked out. <laughs> And then my guy fell down again somehow because his legs got shot out. And then he just kept firing missiles at me. <laughs> so it's like, oh, cool, great, awesome. I haven't necessarily noticed how you can actually, like, particularly target certain parts of the mech. I think it's based on, like, just, like, the angle that you have. Like, if you're, like, like on, like, a... Like, if you use jump jets to get up to, like, elevation higher than them and shoot down, you might be, like, more inclined to hit the head or something. Mm-hmm. And, like, Obviously, if like you have like a building between you and them, you might more hit the <laughs> arm and stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's it's been pretty fun. It's like it's like I was uh, about to say, it's not it's not like as punishing as XCOM is, where it's like you know like you know just random shit could happen in XCOM. That's like, well, this run is fucked. Goodbye, twenty hours of progress. Let's start again. <laughs> and like having to know exactly how to like properly like build out your base because like you have like a like basically like a like like armored convoy more or less going around that just holds your mechs around that you can like upgrade to like have more space in the base for more mechs or like uh engage like stealth drives so it's, not, it's all just like a skill tree it's not like oh you put your base wrongly you fucked up <laughs> screw you you didn't do enough alien autopsies or whatever huh. yeah it's yeah it's a it's a pretty fun thing i i know that uh uh, I think it was Kato and Bren from uh, Waypoint did a stream of it in the last couple of days of just being like them also having the title of that stream being like it's time to fucking body check a mech because <laughs> like, <laughs> like the, I, I was like looking on YouTube for videos of it just to see if anybody I knew was playing it too and like I found a video from two years ago from Austin Walker where he's like this is the moment when this game sold me because he's playing the early access and it's also him just body checking the mech and it's like everybody playing this game knows it's like yeah that's a fucking rad feeling because it's like my mech doesn't have any weapons anymore. Fuck it, it's a battergram now. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Got nothing left to lose here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a fun game. It, I know that it's like, well, actually by the time this episode comes out, I think the sale will almost end because they put it on sale for like, I think it's usually $30 and I think it's like 23 or something for the first week because it just released on the 28th, so it's only been oh, out a yeah. couple days. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's fun. If, if you like uh, stuff like Battletech, but find that to be just, like, a little too mechanically clunky and just, like, a little bit too cu- much customization. Because, like, we only really are spending, like, maybe, like, a few minutes in the menus between missions in Phantom Grade compared to, like, an XCOM or a Battletech where it's like, all right, what the fuck are we doing here? We've got all, all these guys with wounds that are out for, like, three weeks. <laughs> the D-Squad's coming in, I guess, to just throw bodies at this problem, maybe. <laughs> Hope for the best, kind of stuff. Yeah, no, it, it's a uh, it's a pretty fun game. I'm I'm really having fun with it. <laughs> Story is kind of what Story is kind of whatever. To be fair, like, <laughs> the char- like, but the pilot's not really mattering much because they're just like you can just recruit as many as you need, basically, kind of deal. It's like they're just they don't have personalities. The story is basically like, oh, the homeland got invaded from whoever the fuck. Now we have to take it back years later. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. That's. That's the bare minimum you gotta do to just be like, you wanna be in a big robot and do stompy stompy mech stuff? It's like, sure. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, makes sense. I don't know the game, but I have definitely been there. Yeah. I've already seen a good amount of mods for it with people basically being like, hey, I put in the colors to make your mech look like the fucking Eva Eva 01 from Evangelion, or like, you wanna make your mech look like like have the colors of Edelgard from Fire Emblem? Here you go. Like this, or of course, stuff like that, where it's like I expect it's only a matter of time before somebody makes one to make it look like the Ariel from Gundam Witch from Mercury. <laughs> you know, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I mean, Ariel is the biggest like. I just feel like colors. I wouldn't know. I mean, you put a Gundam color scheme on a different robot and it's just white blue red and yellow so it's not that <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean hey to be fair the main gun of it's always white like primarily white with like blue red and some yellow in it <laughs> so it's like oh well this could be easily be the freedom or the wing for all i know <laughs> exactly yeah that's <laughs> yeah yeah that's kind of just the usual thing although ariel and not to the ways or anything but ariel has a slightly different color scheme now a little bit <laughs> is it more red <laughs> no, it's like Ariel got like new gear and stuff because Ariel got a little messed up in the fight. <laughs> okay. So it's like <laughs> I was it has trying a little to bit more, a joke, but clearly it didn't work. Yeah, uh, nah, it has a little bit more like blue in it, I think, because it was only in like it's it's a new form was only in like the episode that they aired last before the uh, like the mid season break, basically. Right. Yep. Uh, it's good. It's gonna like April's gonna be exciting and also a bit bummer because I will have sense, but Gundam Witch comes back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh that uh, well I lose one pair of lesbians, but I get another pair back, I guess. I yeah, don't suppose uh, uh, the L House finale ends at an appropriate and convenient time for us, does it? Is it between seasons? Uh, hang on, I want to see if I can find when that date was supposed to be. Uh... I definitely remember it was like mid-April, I think. Hmm. Because like I I know that like the dates like leaked, like along with the titles like back before I think even thanks to them released. Uh. Hmm. We'll finish season one, in looks like the tenth of April. So, maybe actually. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it. No, sorry, we finished on the third of April. Yeah, it, like yeah, well, the the week of the third, but I think I think the Owl House, I think it's either the fifteenth or twenty second is when Watching and Dreaming should air. 
Dang. Okay. So like we we yeah we might be like one or two episodes in the book two before we have to be like hold on a sec. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it happened with uh, Shira, but it's like yeah, at least we won't be like. When the fuck was it actually? I'm forgetting now. When we had the break with <laughs> Shira for those. Uh, poorly timed. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I, 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 I like. I feel like even just being like, a, like a couple episodes in the book two of Infinity Dream won't be the worst <laughs> to be like. All right, hang on a sec. We gotta finish talking about the gay witches. <laughs> oh goodness. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's that's kind of been. Have not well, really not really by me because that's only been out for um, a couple days. But you got anything going still on? Still have not managed to finish uh ding dang assassin's creed so <laughs> finally after talking about it on the show for like what two no, months i said i haven't finished it <laughs> oh i think you cut out before you said that i thought you had said that you had finally finished it <laughs> no no i still haven't managed it <laughs> the thing is, is okay. that osgard is really big <laughs> these games are these games are too big in general uh... Uh, the only really notable thing that's gone on for me that's like not I could tell you about this assignment I did for school that's I think is very cool but that's not interesting to the podcast listener so <laughs> <laughs> well I mean what kind of a, what kind of assignment was it well I uh so one of the classes I'm in right now is uh, book preservation and history of the book so we got to go to the uh, school archives and gained access to the Rare Books collection, which is normally not accessible to anyone who's not archive staff, and uh, select a book that we did a detailed like description and condition report on, which is mostly notable because I got a book by William Sharp, who, uh, if you're not familiar, is a Scottish author from the late 1800s, early 1900s. I, no, sorry. I think he died in 1905, but he is—he uh, was a uh, believed to be a plural system. He he had a completely separate self named Fiona MacLeod, who was an author in her own right. So, <laughs> just need to be That's able neat. to have that kind of literal queer history in my hands. <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean. Most of our, or at least most of the audience that we know listens in are queer themselves, so, you know, that's at least interesting. Yeah, that's fair, but how many people are interested in uh, old books? <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can say <laughs> To be fair, I've not been in school for over a decade, so... <laughs> it has yap edges, Vivian. Yap edges! <laughs> <laughs> Super don't know what that is. Oh... <laughs> uh. It's a bookbinding thing. It just means that oh, the okay. cover extends a little past where the pages do, so it protects the pages from getting messed up. Ah, uh, gotcha. But yeah, the uh, the only other interesting thing I've got is that uh, this week I went to the school pharmacy because I was curious. We have a pharmacy at our school, and I just found out <laughs> about it. And uh, they apparently have weird import stuff, so I am currently drinking a soda from Japan, which is called... Monster Super Cola. It is a monster energy drink that is meant to taste like a Coca-Cola, but is only available in Japan, so... <laughs> I mean, I've never had Monster to begin with, so I couldn't say what it's supposed to taste like normally. Um, 
Hmm, what's it supposed to taste like normally? Uh, electricity and vague citrus. <laughs> Fun. Yeah, yeah, I've never just—I've never really just been an energy drink person. Oh, I'm a big fan. I—I think—I think that might just be like a little bit too much caffeine for me, because like I'm mostly like—I mean, I mostly drink like coffee in the morning, and then I'll have like a soda with dinner, but that's it, really. Ah, yes. Well, you see, uh, being an ADHD person, I'm completely immune to the effects of caffeine, so I just drink them for the flavor. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of energy drinks? (laughs) Oh, they taste good. (laughs) Okay. Well, again, I'll tell you what. It tastes like a store brand knockoff (laughs) Coke. (laughs) (laughs) I I wonder which which tastes better, that or like that weird like uh. Is it Coke and coffee that I had once on the podcast? Like, um, like a... I know what you're talking about, but I have not and will never try that because coffee is truly felt. Right, right. No, I'm, t- I'm trying to remember between like my experience with that where I was like, Ugh, this is not great compared to the, you describing this thing. It's like I'm trying to figure out. I guess maybe that was probably worse just on the nature of like that had a really bad aftertaste. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's all I got. Weird sodas that the pharmacy apparently imports for some reason. <laughs> I hope it wasn't at least pricey at all, right? Yeah, it was like three fifty. Pretty standard for an energy drink up here. Okay, that's not the worst, I guess, especially with it being an import. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've never been able to find any of the, like, like of all the drinks that I liked having in my time in Japan, I've only been able to find one of them outside since then. Because, like, I went to, like, an H-Mart at some point. I think, like, something like, uh, I think I, I was still living in North Carolina at the time when I found that there was one there. And I, sp- I found that they had uh, Pocari Sweat, which is basically just, like, a Gatorade. <laughs> <laughs> which I guess makes sense why it's called Pocari Sweat, because it's like, well, it's like a sports drink for, like, uh, you know, electrolytes and stuff kind of thing. That's why I guess it's has sweat in its name, even though it like it was. It's very funny because like uh, when I was living in Japan, my friend uh, like basically came there with a bunch of his college friends as well. Like they had planned the trip to college, to, not not to college, the, uh, to Japan like before I even like knew I was moving out there. <laughs> Weirdly enough, it kind of just worked out that he was going to be there like a month after I moved there, and. Basically, like, we were going around, and he was asking me stuff like, what is this drink? I'm like, it's like a catering. It's, it's like, what, why is it called Bacardi Sweat? I'm like, I don't know. I can't say that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, don't, don't think about the name. Just think about the fact that it's actually a pretty good, like, catering. And, it, you know, it's a good drink. But, like, uh, there's so many there that I never have been able to find since, like, uh, like, there was, like, a melon soda called Nectar that I found in a vending machine. And I could never find it in, like, the stores in Japan. But basically, it was just... It was like something I was like, oh, this fucking rolls, and then like no melon soda here in America is compared. <laughs> I think I'm familiar with that actually, but only because of you know specialty markets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, like uh, it's. It, I, hmm? I did do one other thing this week, and that is I was messing with my fidget spinner, and I held it behind my head, and I got it caught in my hair. So that was horrible. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's like that, that's one of the things that like kind of 
concerns me a little bit because like i'm at the point where i'm like trying to be like yeah i'm curious to see like if i let my hair grow longer compared to how it usually has been where it's like it's never really gone like like up to even like my shoulders before so it's like i wanted to like go longer and i'm like just that point of me being like oh is it gonna just be like a nightmare just to dry in general and like i imagine just because there's more hair like Yes. <laughs> I guess partial, partial spoilers for Xenoblade 3, I guess. There's a character who's like has long hair, and it's just like, it's such a pain to wash, and like it's also so annoying trying to go to the bathroom with long hair. <laughs> it's like, this is not a conversation I was expecting from this, but sure. <laughs> uh, I think they're using the bathroom wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, that, to be fair, Xenoblade 3 is in like a, like, very much like, they're like two, like, they don't even really have towns necessarily. They're more just like in like mobile like military encampments. So like she she specifies latrine, not bathroom. So I imagine that's probably an impact. <laughs> Again, your hair shouldn't have anything to do with that process. <laughs> like I'm just saying what the game told me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's fine. It does take a little while to dry, but it would be faster if I used a hair dryer. I just refuse to do that, so... Yeah, like, my hair is already basically at the point where it's, like, it's just also too, like... It's not long, long, but it's, like, it's more full than anything, so it's already at the point where I'm mostly just always, like, using a blow dryer anyway, just because it's easier and quicker. It also turns out having to try to, like, dry your hair for a long period of time also is a little exhausting with your arms. <laughs> so it's just easier to just let a fucking piece of machinery do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you see, the thing is, is because I do my own side shave, uh, I'm not a professional, and so my line keeps going further and further. Eventually, I'm going to be bald, but it's just a very slow process. No, <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. Uh, no, that was a joke. It's not a bummer. Stop it. <laughs> Wait, Jeez, I'm just no. not hitting tonight. <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe to be fair, I had like 220 fucking pieces of mail show up on Monday, and like since then it's not been nearly that bad, but it's kind of just been like a long week as a result. <laughs> and and I'm also looking down the barrel of having to train somebody else on Monday, so it's like <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm a little checked out just being like, uh, right, even once the weekend comes along, I have to deal with that shit. I Fuck. guess. Yeah, I don't know. Now, it turns out when you're the only person in the mail room and therefore the only person that actually knows the process, you are the only person available to actually train somebody else on the process. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, uh, um, yeah. Before we jump into the show proper, would you like to chat a little bit about your history with Infinity Train? <laughs> uh, I suppose, yeah. I, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I definitely only watched the first book. Like, I, I find, I, I don't know exactly what the reason was, necessarily, that I did that. I think, like, part of me was, like, a little bit bummed out that it was an anthology series and it wasn't just going to stick with the same characters yeah. throughout. But I feel like since then, I've kind of, like, been a little bit more, like, yeah, actually, no, it's actually a little bit more fun to switch around to see different perspectives of this and, like, see how these other characters deal with stuff. Because, like, should we say, like, overall what, like, the train's purpose really is? Because, like, I, I feel like don't it becomes so, kind no. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I, I feel like it kind of becomes a little bit obvious as we go on. Like, even, like, near the end of these first two episodes, you kind of start to get a sense, maybe, yeah. of what it does. But, yeah, like, obviously it becomes, like, apparent later on near the end of book one. But, yeah. 
it, it'll be interesting to see how other people react to the train and all its wacky bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Yeah, I, uh, I don't remember why I started watching this show. But I do know for a fact that the first time I ever heard about it, um, one of the podcasts I listened to, Podcast The Ride, one of those hosts is married to Lindsay Katai, who's one of the head writers for this show. So she did an appearance yeah. on that show and talked up her work, and that's how I first heard of it. But I don't remember if that's why I watched it or not. <laughs> yeah, I... I, I... I just know that, like, uh, for a while, like, because I think I'd watched it after book four had finished, and I heard there's a lot of people saying just good things about it, so I think that's what eventually pushed me to watch it properly. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that's much later then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I never actually did watch book four. Not out of malice or anything, I just never got around to it, and then HBO killed it, so it was like, what was I going to do? And the answer is crime, but, you know, <laughs> it's <laughs> just so much effort to crime. Yeah, the, the answer is always being Kane doing crimes. <laughs> turns, turns out, it's 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 like, uh, you know, it's just like you're going down the uh, the multiple choice on the the uh, Scantron or whatever, but you're making your own column of just like, it's, obviously the answer is G. Gay and crimes. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it would yeah. be G and C in that case, but it's like, well, you're supposed to pick one on the Scantron, not multiple, or write-in answers, because the Scantron can't support that. <laughs> uh, do they even use Scantrons anymore? Uh, probably. No. Teachers love them, because they get to be lazy. Yeah, that's true. You just feed them through the machine when it's programmed to tell you, oh, these readings are correct if you have the marking in the right place. <laughs> yeah, and if you wrote it in just the right way. Yeah, yeah, that was always a stupid fucking thing. I remember just being always paranoid about being like, did I fill in that circle enough or too much? <laughs> like, is there like any fucking stray parts that might fuck up the answer? Uh oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I feel like you stop using scantrons after you get out of high school, though. Like, I don't remember any college teachers using them. Yeah, that makes sense. I think a lot yeah. of colleges tend to fall away from the uh, standard testing so yeah but i mean yeah. to be fair most teachers only in college only maybe have like three tests in the entire uh class or whatever <laughs> they have like one kind of early on they have like midterm and then they have final maybe a fourth one in there somewhere <laughs> but not that many but also i mean you're only in those classrooms for like what 15 weeks so it makes sense I mean, some college programs, and I'm not naming names here, but some of them have just moved away from uh, testing entirely because they realized it wasn't a productive way to, to uh, gauge learning, so. <laughs> I feel like you're talking about your own there. <laughs> what? Why would I do a thing like that? Why would I go to Canada for a school specifically because it didn't engage in testing? <laughs> <laughs> Gee, yeah, I wonder why you might do that, compared to me, where all my teachers definitely liked doing tests all the fucking time. <laughs> no, obviously the reason I picked my school is because it's purple. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was about to be like, well, I'm above that, but it's like, I did buy, have to buy a dish soap this last weekend, and like when I was there looking at the different sense it was like well i feel like it's like just uh expected of me to buy the purple one at this point right <laughs> i bought the purple one 
But yeah, um, well, I think that's that's like we were supposed to be talking about our history with Infinity Train, and we somehow got into school. <laughs> well, I, I feel like it was pretty quick for us to do that, though. That's true. Cause yeah. It's like yeah, because like you you had watched it beforehand, but didn't go back to watch book four, and I came to it much later and only watched book one for whatever reason. Which is interesting in a way, because if I recall correctly, book four is the only one that has like canonically queer characters that aren't just these are probably gay. So. Yeah, I did hear that too, because like I was pretty sure it was book four's main characters that are basically, but it's like I don't know. It's like I heard that, and like that was part of the reason why I like I chose the show. Obviously, besides yeah. the fact that uh, fuck HBO <laughs> being dicks. <laughs> Yeah, that's very fair. So, yeah, HBO tried to kill this show, and so we are talking about it more, because we want to use what platform we have to uh, poke HBO in the eye and laugh at them. <laughs> well, I mean, regardless of your platform, you should always poke at big businesses to laugh at them, because they suck. Yes, very much so. So, let's get started with Infinity Train Season 1, well, sorry, Book but. one, episode mm-hmm. one, the grid car. <laughs> they call them books. I don't like it, but they do. So that's what we're using. That's our terminology here. <sighs> and we open with just some shots of. I thought when it opens that this was a fall scene because it's like oranges and yellows and it's very naturey and there's a bird flying around and soft music. It's 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 kind of that whole deal. But uh, later on, it will be snowing. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe this is just, like, very early snow or late non-snow. Either way. Um, well, the thing here is this was something I only saw on the first episode's trivia, but I'll just go over it right now. Apparently, this episode takes place on November 22nd, 2019. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that's actually, if that really matters necessarily in terms of, like, the time frame of it, but it's like, it was just like a thing I'd noticed there, and I was like, oh, they said that there, I wonder if they're gonna say that in, like, the next episode, and no. But then I was like, well, there's also a lot of stuff with the train that is like, maybe the train has, like, weird, wacky bullshit time stuff going on, too, so who knows. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't notice it, but maybe there was a visible calendar or something. It's very possible. Yeah, when I was there, I didn't see if it was, like, from, like, a tweet from, like, the crew or something saying that that's when it took place, but I just saw it listed in the trivia. So I was like, okay, well. I mean, it is still in that point where it's, like, it's, like, close enough that it's, like, kind of winter, but also not close enough that it necessarily would be, because, like, she lives in, like... Well, it's North Branch, Minnesota, yeah, so... Yeah, that's, like, one of those kind of states where it starts snowing around, like, Halloween. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Minnesota ain't known for the uh, light snowfall. (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, So after a few seconds of this sort of nature scene, uh, we see a bus go by. There's like a train alarm as it crosses the tracks. And then this this bus is how we know where they live because it says North Branch on the side of it. So that tells us their town. Um, This bus drops off uh, Tulip Olsen, age 13, and her friend Michaela. Do not get attached to Michaela. She is out of here after this episode. Yeah, I thought so, because I did not make a point of getting Michaela's voice actress on in my notes. Even her parents, I kind of skipped that. We might cover her parents later on, but I know that there's flashbacks to them. 
Yeah, that's I'd fair. Cover them at that point, considering that, like, I mean, to be fair, we don't even hear her dad in this episode. <laughs> her mom's in all of like a minute, if so. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Tulip asks Michaela what she's gonna do while Tulip is away at computer camp, and they just talk a little bit about how bored Michaela's gonna be while she's on her own, because uh, this camp is in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and Tulip is just absolutely jazzed to get there because she is the quote coding hero Wisconsin needs. Also, she is eating a raw onion like it's an apple. Gross. <laughs> is there an explanation for that? Because because uh, no, I no, she only... just likes them. Okay, good, because I noticed it later on when she's, like, in her room working on her game that it's like, wait, she's eating an onion. Is she an ogre? Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> There's no Shrek with reference at all. So no, she guess, doesn't peel them or anything. It. She just takes bites out of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Michaela does make a comment about this, but Tulip just insists that it's totally normal, so... <laughs> kind of not. <laughs> no, not really, no. People really don't eat raw onions. <laughs> Yeah, they walk through the woods for a little while, and then they arrive directly in front of Tulip's house, and Tulip looks down and just for, like, she's hesitating, she doesn't want to go in, and then Michaela decides to make things worse <laughs> by asking yeah. if uh, Tulip's dad ever talks to her mom when he comes to pick Tulip up for their visits. I'm saying Tulip's name a lot, but there are a lot of hers in this situation, so I have to declare who I'm yeah. talking about. <laughs> um... And yeah, this this gets Tulip pretty angry, so she angrily insists that everything is fine and lots of people's parents are divorced and don't worry about it. And uh, yeah, she just kind of storms off and says she'll see Michaela on Monday, so apparently it's a very short camp. Um, yeah, especially with like when later on when she says it's like 300 miles away from where she is, it's like, how is her dad going to get her there so quickly well, <laughs> and then pick her up? <laughs> uh, I have a note about that later, no worries. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Tulip goes inside, and her mom, Megan, tries to intercept her on her way up the stairs, but Tulip ignores her. Uh, see, her dad is on the phone talking to Megan, but uh, Tulip is just not interested in chatting right now. Instead, she goes to work on her game, which seems to be a Space Invaders clone. <laughs> um, she's having some trouble with it, but gets it taken pretty care of pretty quickly because she spots like... something in her book, Coding is Cool, and then laughs at the guy on the cover. Um... Wait a sec, is is uh is Tulip a uh a freaking oh god, well, I forgot the term. Uh acid flipper? And she's just making space invaders again? <laughs> well, I mean it's her own game. She did the art, but it's extremely just like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also she she says that like she jokes saying that like the guy who wrote the book can now afford to get his face ferret removed, then why would you get a face ferret removed? Face ferrets are good. I don't know. If it was stuck there permanently, I think the biting might become an issue. <laughs> I mean, it's got to have good ferrets like Ollie and Tucker were. They never bit me, no matter how much I annoyed them. <laughs> I could poke them on the nose, and they would not do that. Did you try gluing them to your face? Well, no. But also, they weren't like the kind of ferret that would like just like hang on my shoulder or anything, because they were too squirmy and wanted to run around. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Rascal would definitely would. Rascal would definitely not have fun with that and keep biting. <laughs> yeah. But, but also, biting is how Rascal learned if things were edible or friendly. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That's very reasonable. Yeah. And to be fair, he was al- he was also six months old when we got him, so he was like he didn't really grow out of the bitey phase as a baby. <laughs> as a result, since he didn't have a person in the scarf on, that could be like, nope, don't do that. 
Yeah, Ziggy was very much the same. We had to do a lot of work to teach her that biting is not okay. Well, yeah, um, so Megan calls Tulip downstairs pretty quickly, though. She was up there for like five minutes tops. And she has bad news because Andy, who is Tulip's dad, can't get here to take her to camp. Tulip is extremely upset about this because they made a deal. If she brought her English grade up, then she would get to go to this camp. And they even signed a contract, so that's pretty wild for a 13-year-old. But I guess she <laughs> needed some stability considering everything. Yeah. But yeah, so her dad just screwed up. He He got the dates wrong, and so he's not in town, so he can't take her. And Megan has a 12-hour shift at the hospital tomorrow, so driving all the way from Minnesota to Wisconsin is kind of a no-go. Um, I did the math here. I, I looked it up. Because they live in North Branch, so to get to Oshkosh by car from here, it's almost exactly a five-hour drive. So uh, Okay, yeah, that's actually not that bad, actually. Yeah. So for Megan, at least, Still that would be driving 10 hours round trip and then yeah. a 12-hour shift at yeah, work. Yeah, that is still like, yeah, somebody has to drive five hours there, then five hours back, and then in two days, drive that again to go get her. Uh-huh, yeah. That's that's a lot. Yeah, here's spending it's, 40 hours, like not 40, uh, it's 20 hours in the car over the course of a weekend. It is so much. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I certainly do not blame Megan for not being able to do that, but, yeah. Tulip is basically just upset. She calls them too busy to be her parents, which, I mean, I see where she's coming from with that, but also, like, you have a single mom now, she does have to pay the mortgage somehow. Um, yeah, like, I mean, they they still are staying at, like, the house she grew up in. Yeah, yeah. So it's like... Like, I mean, unless her dad is also helping a little bit with that, but presumably he has his own place now. So One would like, assume, yes. Because they don't yeah, seem so, to live together. No. So it's like... I mean, yeah, because they said, like, the visits when, like, exactly, you know, she yeah. goes and they go for dad for the weekend. So it's like... It's, it's you know... Yeah, she is a 13-year-old, so, like, I mean, they had promised her, but also it's like... Shit happens, and also it's like... You're kind of like not actually looking at it from the perspective of, yeah, my mom literally has to raise me by herself essentially most of the time. Yeah. So, like, well, that's... She, she is going to potentially try to, like, take more shifts when she can. I feel like that's pretty common. Like, she is 13. It's not easy to be the most empathetic person in the world when you're 13. Yeah. So, I get it. But, yeah, she's. I think she's just mad about a lot of stuff and doesn't have a way to express that right now. So yeah. she uh, she yells at her mom a lot and then storms off. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, then her dad sends a poorly timed, grammatically mangled text, and uh, she sees this text, and that inspires her to her to put on her jacket and hop out the window. There is no hesitation on this kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That definitely goes from, all right, things are okay-ish, to I'm going to run away to go there myself immediately. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Yep. I Ish. hope that she has, like, a good amount of food in her bag, because, like, and come on, Tulip, you have to be smarter than this to know you can't walk 300 miles. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in the course, like, in the course of an entire weekend, you probably couldn't walk 300 miles. Okay, see, I don't think she knows how far away it is, is the thing. 
because later on, well, yeah, we, we see her walking for a while across a few different winter landscapes. And then when she gets into the woods, she pulls out that brochure and it says it's just a quick jump away. And this is where she learns that it's 300 miles because that's... <laughs> okay, maybe she should look at that sooner then. <laughs> yeah. So. But presumably she did look at it because she's like, oh, it's it's easy. I'll walk there myself and get there easily. No problem. And it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming at one point your dad, you probably had a conversation of, okay, I'll pick you up at this time because that will get us there at this other time, yeah. which will be five hours later. Cars go faster than people, Tulip. I guess you're 13, but, like, please, think about it. Actually, no, yeah, let me put that in real quick. What is North Branch, Wisconsin? Oh, by foot travel? Because you can put yes. that in Google Maps? Ugh, probably so much. I mean, because, like... North Branch, Wisconsin to Oshkosh... No. Oh, jeez, it's North Branch, Minnesota. I'm sorry. That's a like different a, state. <laughs> I mean, like, the average person can walk, like, what, like, maybe 15-ish miles a day? Being generous? Maybe? Uh, according to Google Maps, it is four days and two hours to walk that if you do not stop for anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which you're, you're, you're not gonna do. <laughs> so, like, even if she was able to just keep going... And even if she was, like, able to keep, like, run the entire time and not get tired or slow down or anything or have to stop, it's like, you're not going to get there before the camp's over anyway. <laughs> <laughs> also, she has a smartphone. You would think that she would, like, be able to use that to figure out, oh, this is not something I can walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no. Computers are more important than planning. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so it is. This is when it's snowing now. I mentioned that earlier, and she's just kind of deep in the woods alone. I have no idea if she's going the right direction because she doesn't seem to know either. But as she's in the woods, a train just all of a sudden blasts across her path, like basically out of nowhere, impossibly fast with these huge, scary, glowing green windows, and then it just sort of stops right in front of her, like. It breaks way too fast for a train like this, but it doesn't seem to have any negative effects from that. And I mean, there, there isn't a track, so... <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> doesn't stop and consider that either. Like, wait, there's no train tracks here. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's like a little platform. There, there definitely is a train platform, so it wouldn't shock me if there were tracks and we just didn't see them. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, um, as it stops right in front of her, the train destination changes to display Oshkosh as the new destination. And Tulip doesn't think twice about getting on this mystery spooky train in the woods that's going exactly where she needs to, and also she doesn't have a ticket. <laughs> uh, apparently, I guess there, like this is something I saw in the trivia, there was actually like a cutscene where there was a ticket booth and she just left money be there being like, I paid for it, uh, then you can't uh, come after me even though I don't have an actual ticket, bye! Or something like that. <laughs> But yeah, um, she takes the first step on board of the train, and then she just kind of blacks out and wakes up in a winter landscape in the daytime. At first, she thinks that the, the whole train thing was just a hallucination, and then she starts yelling at herself about how boring her nightmares are, so that's fun. She's uh, She's got some maybe some self-loathing, some rage issues, a real picture of this kid so far. Also, come on, be fair, trains rule. 
Don't take it on the train, Tulip. No, she hates trains. Trains are stupid. Trains are boring and outdated. Well, uh, she kind of ends up hitting trains by the end of this book, I think, yeah. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> ahead of that, though, trains rule. <laughs> Don't be mean to trains. <laughs> Yeah, so she starts wandering across this winter landscape. Again, I don't think she knows where she's going. But as she walks past some snowmen, she gets jump-scared by a tiny spherical robot who's sitting on top of a snowman. It's pretending to be a snowman head. And this robot asks if she is its mother. So, I had a debate about whether to do this now or later, and I'm just going to do it now because it makes... Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is 1-1. One, one. I'm introducing the robot early. It... it... One one won't tell you their name for a while yet, but uh, they are the robot buddy extraordinaire, and more to the point, there's two of them. One one is two people. Uh, I have heard some folks kind of refer to this as a plural system, but I don't think that really metaphor really holds up for reasons that'll come up later. But yes, for future reference, I'm going to be using the names that the production staff used for the two versions of 1-1, so you know who is talking. Uh, yeah, because it's two different actors as well. Exactly, yes. They have two separate voices and personalities. So the 1-1 uh, the with the higher-pitched voice in, and the optimism is called Glad One, and the lower voice and depression is Sad One. So remember that now, because it will be on the quiz. Um <laughs> I, I have to admit, I did not write down which in particular says stuff in my episode synopsis. <laughs> that is fair. This is like behind-the-scenes production notes. It's never used in the show, so I am not shocked that you weren't aware. <laughs> no, I actually... See, here's the thing. I actually didn't know about Glad One and Sad One. Oh, really? Or, okay. I, I remember hearing that when I started watching the show itself years ago, when I did watch book one. It's just that when I was writing down my notes, it was also just like me being like, oh, wait, I had to like pause and like rewind some dialogue to hear which one exactly was talking <laughs> and so i was like the fact that like again one one is only ever referred to as one one in the show i was like okay i'm just gonna say one one <laughs> i guess that's fair but i feel like it's important to have that shorthand for a distinction because there will be times when one ones when yeah. the one ones talk to each other so yeah that's fair but, like, uh, I mean, in these two episodes, that doesn't happen. And also, I feel like there's, like, points that, in my synopsis, it's a little bit more obvious which one is actually asking certain stuff. Well, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Like, the uh, the next thing that happens is that Sad One asks Tulip to kill him, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, they're just like, oh, so you've come there, give me the sweet release of death. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think that's Glad One saying that. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, Yeah, Tulip thinks that He's just some sort of like voice recognition style toy and is more or less entirely uninterested in this robot somehow. But uh, Glad One pretty much ignores this and uh, reveals that th they are looking for their mother but have no idea what she looks like or what size she is or where she might be. <laughs> so uh, Tulip gets kind of frustrated by this and storms off, which I want to be clear, that is the third time she has stormed off so far in this episode. Maybe we should start yep. a counter for those. But 1-1 uh, follows along. So it is, they are like a spherical robot, but they've got these little legs that as far as I can tell, they can just kind of go wherever. They're not locked in place, so... It's... Yeah, like one one uses these little feet as both arm and like hands and you know, like feet throughout the entirety of the show. 
So it's like they kind of they kind of just go wherever they need to to accommodate mm-hmm. the situation, including like disappearing for one when the roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's it's a very interesting design, but yeah, we, we're not gonna get a good look at it because if we looked at it, then we would know too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. One one asks what Tulip is looking for, and she insists that she's not looking for anything, but she is going to Oshkosh, and that one uh, one should just go back to being a snowman or whatever. And this is when they find the first door. It's built into the base of a giant snowman. The door is red with a gold emblem on the front. That's sort of like two half circles, each standing on top of each other. Like if you slid the top one down, it would make a whole circle. But it, it's like a minimalist cool s. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what really what they're intentionally going for cuz this is also part of the uh like show title card is that it's supposed to look like the infinity symbol, right? <laughs> well, like quarters of it cuz it's not all the way there, but yes. You'd you'd have to fill in two more chunks to get the infinity symbol, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, um, Glad One tells Tulip that this door is impossible to open, and Sad One insists that the only way out of this place is hypothermia, but uh, actually what it is is that they don't have hands, so they can't open the door. So Also, also they're not tall enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, when the door opens, Tulip sees tracks rushing by outside and realizes that she is actually on that spooky train because the, 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 snow, yeah, the snow car is one of the train cars, they proceed to the next one, the grid car, where they find a large empty white room which is patterned with a grid all over, except when you touch a square, it like manifests a cube that fits that square perfectly and plays a music note. So they mess around for a while, and they're like playing songs on the walls and 3D printing pixel art, and eventually uh, Tulip creates like 3D printed versions of the characters from her video game, which she reveals are called good guys and bad guys, so no wonder her English grade was so low. Um, <laughs> this is where 1-1 one, one introduces themselves. I already gave you that spiel. Uh, Tulip decides that she's going to go up to the ceiling, because Tulip decides things and then just does them without thinking them through. That is her mm-hmm. defining characteristic at this yeah. point in the show. She, she is the most teenager possible. Exactly. Antagonistic, so, uh, not antagonistic, uh, like uh, like, full of angst, and we'll just do things when she wants to. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, consequences. Who needs them? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she takes one of her gloves off to, like, throw it up and tap one of the roof scares, which does work, surprisingly. I would have figured you'd have to touch it, but whatever. Yeah, which brings up the question of, like, when they're walking around, they're not constantly making cubes emerge just from their feet, but apparently... I guess it requires a hand, but also one one's feet are also hands. Yeah, like one one so, seems to be able to selectively choose when he walks whether he creates a cube or not. Because there's sometimes when he just walks right over squares, like, and sometimes he like like maybe the grid to... maybe the grid card like can sense intent, and so it's like oh you're not intending to make them as you walk, but you want to use your glove to knock this one to make it do one at the top, so therefore it's gonna work. Well, maybe, but if it was intent-based, then they never would have figured out how to do it in the first place, because... True, um... true, yeah. Mm. Maybe the first one's free, like, it's just like, <laughs> oh, if you tap, if if you use a hand and tap, it will do it for you, and then when you know that, it's, like, more like, oh, you're unconsciously, like, choosing to do it. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, this could have gotten way scarier real fast if they activated cubes by standing on them. <laughs> um, oh yeah, just absolutely crush people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, now that Tulip's glove is off, uh, she can see that the number 115 has been etched on her hand in glowing green. It's like right on her palm. This would be a terrible tattoo. Like, it would hurt so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I would never want to get a tattoo near any hand stuff. <laughs> yeah, especially not on the palm. But she yeah. freaks out when she sees this number, but is kind of interrupted in her freak out by just a, a terrible noise. The train is breaking, and it's extremely loud. So she opens the door again and kind of pops back out, where they see a desert wasteland, just kind of overshadowed by a, a vortex. I want to call it a storm, but it isn't a storm, really. It's not raining or anything. It's it's like the eye of a hurricane is just sitting it's, in the sky. Yeah, I, 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 I would still call it a storm. It's like the Fortnite storm that encroaches in. Like, that's a storm, <laughs> but there's no, like... Actually, no, I'm trying to remember, based on a little bit of Fortnite I played years ago. I think there might actually be, like, a lightning effect, but it's not yeah, like see? a storm storm. There's not rain and stuff. Yeah. And, it's, and that's also, like, purple. <laughs> so, it's, like, it's, it's like just the void encroaching, encroaching upon you. Yeah, everything out in the wasteland is red, yellow, it's all red filtered, even this big storm, so it's, um, the storm fires what I'm going to call a tractor beam at the train and seems to pull a human out, and then they just kind of disintegrate entirely and get sucked up into the heart of the vortex, so that's no good. Um, <laughs> it is worth noting, maybe, that Tulip did not see any of this place when moving between the snow car and the grid car, and, like... That's not important. That's not a story thing. Uh, Tulip's just inobservant, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, well, she's 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 it's like she's at the start of the campaign and she's not realizing she can just ask the GM and that she wants to make a check. For, like, she a forgot to skill. look left. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she seeing this person be horribly disintegrated by an evil storm that eats people uh, just <laughs> takes off. She's running along the outside of the train and. I do feel like I should say that the cars are much larger now, but when it was in the forest, it was basically a standard train, but now it's like, this is some friggin' Warhammer thing. They're like four-story cars. It's ridiculous. Yeah, like she has to like climb down the, the wheels <laughs> to get down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Um. so Sad One mentions that the place she's in is in, is quote, kind of a real bad place. And so she flees. She flees the train into the wasteland, only to get stuck in what is apparently mud, despite it looking like a desert. And then these horrible, horrible creatures just burst out from under the ground. They're, um, they're like half dog, half cockroach, and there's three of them, and she manages to pull, them, pull herself free. But when she runs, they chase her because they're dogs, and that's what dogs do. <laughs> so, um, these are called goms, G-H-O-M. I will refer to them as such for the rest of this, but Tulip doesn't know that. They're just monsters to her, so yeah, don't tell I, her. I forget, do they ever get named in the show? I don't actually know if they get named like, in the show. Cause, yeah, because like, I, look, I looked it up, too, like when I was looking up the trivia and stuff, because like, I saw it, it called them Goms, and like I, for some reason I thought it was like Gomes, I don't know why I thought that. but like uh, I would assume Gom, but maybe, I don't know. Yeah, but like you say, if it's not said in the show, it's like, well, they're just like the weird. Well, dog actually, you know what? I think you're probably right. So I'm looking at the uh, the trivia page for the Gomes, 
and uh, blah blah blah. They're spelled differently every time they show up, but most frequently G O H M S or G O A M S. So yeah, that's gome. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Weird. Very weird. Um, it looks like they are mentioned by name starting in season three, so Tulip will never oh, know okay. what they're called. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like the less Tulip knows about that stuff, the better us will likely be in the long run. She probably that is one of them. probably true, yes. <laughs> it's like, her whole deal is just, please let me get off this fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the more you know about the Feywild, the harder it is to get out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so the uh, the gomes chase her back towards the the train, and Gladwin is singing the Benny Hill theme all the way as she pulls herself free, and <laughs> they don't seem to know that it's the Benny Hill theme. They claim that they made it up, but there you go. Um, y- yeah, because he's just like, what are you singing? He's like, a wacky getaway song or whatever. And like, I didn't actually realize that it was Yakety Sax until later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... So Tulip does climb back up the ladder, she gets back on the train, but uh, the gomes just kind of follow her because the roach half can fly, so they don't even have to climb up the side. Gross. Um, Tulip does manage to get back in the car and close two of them out, but the third is able to bash its way in, so she really quickly creates a little cube wall to hide behind, but uh, the gome tackles her anyway if she gets got. And then it does something real freaky as it stands on top of her and starts... uh, Listen, I don't like the next few sentences, but we just have to get through this, okay? I, Stay I strong, like we can I, do it together. I feel like I know where you're going to compare it to, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I swear I'm not, but that doesn't okay. make it... No, I mean, I, I feel like uh, anybody with any cultural osmosis of the last two decades would also think of that bad series, unfortunately, before that goes on here. Yeah, but that's that's not the issue here. Um. So the gome stands on top of her and starts sucking something out. <laughs> it sucks something green and wispy out of her, which visibly withers her, like life energy or maybe lifespan or maybe even just her moisturizer, but there's there's no real way of knowing. But uh, yeah, it's 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 got this horrible orifice underneath its head that doesn't have a mouth or anything, and it just... Uh, it gives her the big suck. I'm sorry. Um, yep. <laughs> but uh, uh, Gladwin reveals that it can separate itself. So uh, Gladwin fires himself off of the one-one body and just smacks the gom right in the mystery orifice, which is a lot of why I feel like Sad One and Gladwin are not a great um, potential metaphor for a plural system because they are quite literally physically separate entities. So. I just don't think that holds up, even though I know some folks like mm. that that feeling. Not yeah. to try to take that away from anybody, but it it just doesn't hit to me personally. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah, it's all a personal uh, interpretation of things. Exactly. But yeah, now that the gome is not sitting on her, Tulip regains her use slash vitality slash skincare routine just basically immediately, and uh, has a reconstructed one one build a wall while she throws her good guy and bad guy sculptures from earlier at the gome, which is entirely ineffective. She does bunk it with good guy, but it doesn't really care. Um, fortunately, one one kind of knows what they're doing a little bit, even though I'm not super sure they're doing it on purpose, because <laughs> instead of building a wall, they built three walls. So the exit door is sealed off from the gomes. 
and there is a hole just big enough for Tulip to dive through at the center of it. In particular, when, when they first hit, it's like, it's more of a house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe immediately go like, wow, that little bit of like a like mini house when I was building is more of a home than my old apartment was. <laughs> it's it's yeah. larger than that place was. <laughs> yeah. Even Sad without one... a roof. Oh. Sad one does kind of suggest that they should knock this down and start over, but I don't really know why, because we have not seen any evidence that you can get rid of the cubes once they are manifested, so... <laughs> uh, he's just hes just really down on the fact that they built a house instead of a wall. he He's got performance anxiety. Um, no, the thing is, there's no roof. And they know true, those yeah. things can fly, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so there's like a window big enough for Tulip to dive through, but the gum cannot pursue because it's like too big, I guess. So since they're by the door, Tulip and One One just kind of hop out before it figures out that it can fly. And uh, yeah, Glad One mentions that there are some nice things about this place, but it could be better. Which motto for everybody, huh? <laughs> And uh, yeah, at this point, Tulip decides to do some logical analysis, because that is theoretically what she's good at, even if she hasn't done it yet. Like, she's good at game systems and figuring out rules, because there are always rules, and if you can figure them out, you know how to win the game. So since it's a train, she asks one one if there is a conductor, and Glad One says, yes, definitely. To which Sad One responds that, uh, yes, but they're going to be at the engine, which is very far away. So Tulip decides that she is going to escape this train and make it to Oshkosh for good, and that is the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's only ten minutes long, but there is yeah. also way more to talk about. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's very dense compared to She-Ra. Like, yeah. when we were summarizing She-Ra, I, f I could usually leave it running for two to three minutes sometimes and just summarize that in a sentence but this show is so much more going on that i can't really do that anymore <laughs> yeah i mean it comes with the territory because it's like i mean each of these books is only an hour 40 minutes long yeah. for the entire season so compared to like uh Shira, where you know aside from the weird season two and three aka one season mm -hmm. where if the stuff like they were all like 11 episodes or so long <laughs> and they were full like you know tv show episode length but also there was just like way more filler going on <laughs> yeah it's interesting to me because i mean this this is the format of the show that they chose right so it's not like mm -hmm. they got cut for time so yeah i'm just fascinated by the decision to yeah, I, to drop I, bombs so often like this. Yeah, I, I did see that there was apparently initial plan for them to basically do like a normal length show and everything of like uh, the full like you know twenty two minute long episodes, but they eventually decided to do this because it's worked out better. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so yeah, yeah uh, that's, uh, that's a lot of exposition, but it's the first episode. Yeah, obviously, yeah, you have to introduce uh, the two main characters, <laughs> and also the situation involving Tulip's home life, which ain't great. <laughs> yeah, it turns out we're going to learn a lot more about that in general. <laughs> uh, I guess we should just move on to the next episode then, huh? I suppose so, yeah. Yep. All right, then episode two, which 
Most of the episodes in this entire show, we should say, are always called the blank car, basically. It's just like, it's describing literally like the main car, the train that the episode takes place in, because this one's called the beach car. Yeah. That isn't like, universal, but generally that is yeah, the case. Yeah, like, I, I, know, I know there's like a few exceptions, just like looking at some episode titles when I was like looking for the show itself on the yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I mean, and I also did remember that like the finale of book one is not called the whatever car because it's the engine. <laughs> So, spoilers, I guess, for they go there at the end of the book, which you could probably extrapolate would probably happen anyway. <laughs> in any case, uh, episode two, the beach car, opens with Tulip and Lemon finishing the crossword puzzle car, in which Tulip is basically piloting a big letter-stamping mech, which honestly kind of rules. <laughs> it's, it's a neat design for a robot. <laughs> And uh, one one's been helping with the answers, which are all various to stuff like saying one one's got style, one one brings the funk, and one one is number one. <laughs> I actually I took the screenshot of the answers to look at some more of them. There's there's one that's just a doodle, a doodle of tulip. There's one that just says smile, but it's written with the cool S. <laughs> and and another one that says one bun, and it's like it's kind of cut off, but you can definitely see that one one just drew the, himself with bunny ears. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Also, he's apparently the world's greatest showman. Probably? Because <laughs> that's a question mark. <laughs> it's good. It's 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 goofy. Uh, but Tulip lands and asks him not to write anymore. And it basically just cuts from there, presumably them finishing. Because they leave the car and... I guess I, I guess this is something that isn't really established earlier on in like the first two cars that they were in in the first episode because like they didn't have to like solve something to get out of those cars they just kind of left compared yeah. to this one where it's like I guess maybe there was some implication that like the door just wouldn't work until you solved the password puzzle <laughs> which yeah, sounds like a fucking speaking, nightmare. The way these cars work is that there will be some sort of puzzle you have to figure out in order to yeah. open them. But I guess the first two were real softballs, because they didn't have that at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically the beach car that they actually spend most of the episode in doesn't either. Yeah, there you go. Part. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know, maybe it's like sometimes the, the train is just like, hey, you get a gimme today, just have fun in this yeah. car if you want. You don't have to stay if you don't want it, but other times it's like, yeah, I hope you know a bunch of bullshit trivia that solve a bunch of crossword puzzles, because they're all on the fucking ceiling and walls and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, but at least you get a cool crossword robot. Yeah, exactly. If you're stuck in there forever, at least you get a cool mech to play with till you die. I feel like, and maybe this is just me extrapolating, but I feel like at least some of the ones that don't have puzzles are the quote-unquote safe cars. Like, the winter yeah. car could be an issue for the cold, but there were no monsters or anything in there. It was just cold. Yeah. So... I don't know. Maybe that would be an okay place to set up camp and try to find food because, again, like it yeah, is a big train that you live on now, and there's no food those, service. Yeah, that's one of those things that I definitely know comes up at times, just in my own watching this. Of like, again, we don't know exactly how much time necessarily passes on the train, but presumably, even if like time in like the normal world is paused while you're on the train, it's like. Well, actually, I guess no, based on what I'm remembering from near the end of the season, actually. <laughs> uh, but, like, I don't, it's like a weird thing of, like, you gotta assume that even if, like, time fuckery is going on, you're gonna eventually get hungry or tired on the train. Yeah, I mean, I'm fairly sure in this episode, one of the characters mentions something taking a week, so... <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. Who, who can say? I don't know. It's the train is weird because yeah, it's very definitely. long and big. Yeah. yeah, like the the beach car, the titular beach car. I feel like that's probably a safe place to camp and collect food. So. Yeah, probably. In any case, uh, yeah, they go, they finish and leave that car, and they kind of sneak their way through. I think this was called the little wizard car. I think from what I saw. <laughs> Uh, it's basically like they're trying to sneak through like a bunch of like sleeping like sleeping gnome creatures, <laughs> but like uh, eventually one one accidentally just activates them all because he doesn't have an indoor voice and wakes them up and they have to run for them. Mm-hmm. And after that, they go into like the pinball car and have to play a big pinball machine as the ball, <laughs> which would absolutely kill people <laughs> inside oh, for that. Sure. Like you would definitely die doing that. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, presumably they also finish that because they leave that car with one of them being happy that Tulip got the 11th highest score in pinball as the ball. Wait, no, no, that, that's me reading my notes prior from the previous ones. <laughs> she, got the, she got the 11th highest score in that car and says he thinks that he's possibly close to finding his mom based on nothing because 1-1 just makes a bullshit at times. Yeah, that's kind of how that goes. Yeah. But yeah, but... it's a very tight montage to show us how the train works and how Tulip's getting used to it. <laughs> Yeah, just like, here's a bunch of bullshit train cars that she has to go through, and one one is no help. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. In any case, uh, Tulip's kind of just annoyed at, like, the train already, and doesn't want to get distracted with fun stuff when they have work to do. A.K.A. when she has work to do, because one one doesn't have an itinerary, really. Uh, and then she notices that the 115 on her hand is changed to 114, and she immediately freaks out, thinking that she did something wrong. And uh, 1-1's various halves don't really help things at all because they say that a person who reaches zero is gone forever, <laughs> in their own <laughs> words. So Tulip uh, is justifiably a little bit pissed and says that no one told her how the hand number thing works and she thinks that she'll die on the train when it hits zero because, of course, <laughs> she's a teenager, so she immediately jumps to that conclusion. And to be fair, 1-1 also said that people that reach zero are gone forever, so... yeah. C- kind of conjunctive easy line to draw. Yeah, especially when like the other, well, I guess other day, who knows? But earlier she saw a person get vaporized on the train, so pulled off the train yeah. by an evil storm that disintegrated and ate them. Yeah, yeah, y- y- yeah, yeah. She can probably come jump to conclusions of I'm gonna die here. <laughs> uh, yeah, she basically just like rushes them into the next car, just trying to get stuff done quicker, and they open up on the beach. I don't know why I typed breach in my notes here. It says breach, but it's a beach. And <laughs> uh, she overhears a salesperson's voice uh, and sees a cat in the suit trying to sell. I'm not really sure how to describe the Randalls. They're like basically like a, a blobby like bubble guy, I guess. It's like a little bit of like it's. It's like if you had like uh, if you played Sonic Adventure and you fought like Perfect Chaos and everything. You know how he has like the uh, the two like side arm tentacle things. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, but much smaller and has a face. Uh, Randall is a goo girl, but himbo. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, let's go with that. Uh, But yeah, the cat is trying to sell this guy a lead pipe, which he calls the donut holder, and demonstrates it by, like, punching holes in the various things, like a hat and stuff. Remarkable uh, manual dexterity on this cat, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, like, considering the cat will bring up in, like, a few minutes that she doesn't have hand, like, thumbs to build stuff. The fact that she can actually hold and use the pipe like this, at the least, is still more than most cats can say. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, basically, like in this whole demonstration, uh, pretty funnily enough, Randall does know that this sounds exactly like the potential to be a pyramid scheme. <laughs> and the cat says that this is the sole donut holder certified by her close personal friend, the conductor. Because, <laughs> of course, the cat's just making that bullshit, <laughs> basically. Uh, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. She knows the conductor. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you can trust this cat. She's wearing a suit. <laughs> She's a salesperson. She knows her shit. Uh, but yeah, Tulip overhears this, and she rushes down and tries to explain her situation in like the way teenagers do, of all jumbled and not at all connected at all to the cat. And tries to appeal to her since she knows the conductor to help her out. And the cat asks her how she knows that the number reaching zero on her hand signifies that a person would die, and she admits that she only thinks that because one one had told her. And at this, uh, one one does what they refer to as a mum check on the cat to see if the cat is her, their dad. Not their dad. Uh, that's Gorgug. No, to see if the cat is her mum. <laughs> oh yeah, Gorgug. No, totally Gorgug. Gorgug would definitely not do well on the train. <laughs> oh, Gorgug would have such a bad time. I mean, most of the bad kids would probably have a terrible time on the train. To be fair. <laughs> Yeah, uh, in any case, uh, basically, like, seeing 1-1 makes the cat's interest instantly get piqued because, uh, it's not really said here, but you get the implication that 1-1 is important in some regard, especially at least to the cat. Or at the very least, highly unusual. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, th to be fair, they are on a weird fucking hell train, and but, like, I guess a robot uh, on the hell train is at least something interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, interesting to me, but that's just because I love robots. So. Well, yeah, like, we love robots. That's why we would be like, hell yeah, come with me, bud. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but the cat I does... I get the eat... robot and the cat on my team? I need to figure out how this works. Let me look at the wiki. <laughs> no, uh, sorry, this is, like Chrono... this is like Chrono Cross. If you enlist the robot, you can't get the cat or vice versa. <laughs> yeah, you gotta pick. You gotta play the game multiple times. But also don't worry about it, because like, they really don't have overall personalities or parts in the story to play, so they basically just had the same dialogue, only tweaked a little bit based on the, the character itself. Ooh. Uh, yeah, Conan does <laughs> that. It doesn't sound the greatest. <laughs> uh, in any case, uh, the cat easily proves that one one's judgment isn't the greatest when he thinks that she is his mom, and that also putting the donut holder hat on her head that she had punctured would also kill her. Because one one thinks both of those. <laughs> uh, so two basically does uh, bowling ball rolls one one off in the Randall or frustration of him think making her think that she die, and then the cat obviously tries to win over Tulip by mentioning that her shallow craft is grounded because otherwise she'd take her right to the conductor. Spoilers: she would not because Tulip does not fit in the shallow craft anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how you can't fit in a car built for cats. <laughs> yeah, it turns out. But, like, in this whole time, like, Tulip's like, oh, yeah, like, she doesn't think about, like, wait, you would take me right to the conductor if it wasn't broken? I would not fit in that. <laughs> I <have to> do <laughs> that. Uh, she is 13. She is very much a teenager. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Tulip, of course, offers to help, because unlike the cat, she has thumbs, and then the cat immediately tries to demand payment, because she'd miss a week or two's worth of sales by helping her get to the front of the train. Which I think is what you mentioned about, like, some yeah, characters exactly. mentioning a week. Yeah, that's the yeah, yeah, she specifically says that it would take her a week to get to the engine, and so she'd lose that much time in sales. Mm -hmm. So, if yeah. you're there a week, I don't care if there is time screwiness magic going on, you gotta eat something. Uh-huh. 
hey, look at this. Happened to have uh, a cat here. <laughs> Tula just trying to eat the cat <laughs> aboard the solar craft as they're going 100 miles an hour. <laughs> uh, horrifying. Indeed. Uh, in any case, the cat says that, like, normal, like, terrestrial money, I guess, I would describe that. I don't know. Tula tries to offer her, like, 11 bucks or whatever, and she says that money has no value on the train, and instead says that she could alleviate her of one one. It was promptly donut hold uh, Tulip's campfire, <laughs> just because no one was just having fun with the donut holder. Oh no, it's a capitalist's worst nightmare, a barter system economy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. But apparently doing that to the campfire immediately makes Tulip agree to be able to get off the train. <laughs> so uh, Tulip's kind of an asshole. <laughs> yeah, like, just, I mean, really? again, like... One one has been yeah. screwing her up this whole time, and now he's damaged the thing that she specifically cares about, so I get it, but yes, she's not behaving well. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, yeah, she is a teenager, she is desperate to figure out a way off this train, but she's already willing to sell out her... I guess you would call her friends of one one at this point, really. I mean... Potentially. I'm not really uh, sure. <laughs> one one certainly considers them friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One one absolutely would. One one is friends with everybody, because one one is just a little pure little robot. In any case, uh, while Tulip is trying to fix the shallow craft, following basically just like a booklet to just be like, do this stuff and you'll fix it, uh, one one just ends up bothering her a bunch of questions over time, which some of them are just really silly, but. It eventually gets to the question of why her name is Tulip, and she basically describes that she was almost assumed to be born stillborn? That's how I read this, because she said that she had breathing issues when she was born, but apparently, as her parents told her, bounced back like a perennial flower, which is, you know, where the <laughs> book title comes from, of the perennial child, if we... I don't think we had mentioned that. I didn't mention it in the tweet, but yeah, the book uh, one is called The Perennial Child. Yeah, no, we didn't talk about it, but also, I do feel like that's a little weird, IMO. It, it, is, it is, you mean like the descriptor of how she like bounced back when she was born, or just the book title? The descriptor, yeah. Like, it's just yeah. such a specific phrase, like... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little goofy, but like... I don't remember exactly how much we ever really see her parents much in this book, so like I'm not sure if it's just like it's just implied that her parents are just like goofy in the sense or a bit aloof or whatever. Well, they both have names, so they're <laughs> Yeah, like I mean there is that little bit where it's like I mean they are like Megan and uh what was it as name? Uh Andy. Andy, yeah, like they those they are more like I don't want to say like traditional names, but they are more like the kind of names you would hear in like around most people compared to Tulip. <laughs> Which I mean, like I guess Tulip is like not the most out there because like I mean people like have names based on like flowers in like oh for real sure life. just like that specific circumstance yeah like that with that phrase yeah. feels a little off. Also, that's to be fair, fine. Like, people get named after flowers all the time. It's yeah, just... I mean to be fair, like it's usually names like. Daisy or like Petunia and stuff like that, rather than like Tulip. I, I don't think I've heard of anybody actually being named Tulip necessarily. Um, I have, but not in person, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Definitely, definitely less common than like other names like Daisy. I would say probably. Um. Okay. So from what I know of the parents, weirdly, despite 
So we know Megan works in a hospital, but we don't know in what capacity. Like, she could be a doctor or a nurse or a janitor. We have no idea. Yeah. But Andy, we do know what his job is, and it's going to garage sales and buying stuff and then reselling it. <laughs> <laughs> so he was probably the one that came up with that uh, analogy, and therefore yeah, the probably. name. <laughs> <laughs> of the two of them. <laughs> that's like, uh, that's like that... The whole, like, story of, like, that guy who, like, started out like a pencil and basically kept trying to mm -hmm. up until he was able to, like, get a house or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, if you're familiar with, like, American Pickers or um, Storage yeah. Wars or whatever, that's what he does. He just doesn't do it on TV. <laughs> yeah. But also, I mean, I feel like those kind of, like, TV shows are, like, they're just clearly staged, right? <laughs> eh, to some degree. Like, I'm not gonna say it's all real because it's you know, reality television, but yeah, like there's only I mean, so the much he can fake. Yeah, like the the fact that like in so many of those, it's always like no matter what they find in those units, they're always like, "All right, I got a guy, I know a guy who will buy all the shit." <laughs> and it's like, do you really, <laughs> in actuality, do you really know a guy who will buy like shingles or something, my guy? Well, of course so. they know a guy. They have an entire production team who can call well, everyone in Las yeah, Vegas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how they know a guy. <laughs> They, as in, like, the whole, like, the crew entirely knows a guy. <laughs> and by that, they're looking up Google Maps to find the person that might buy this shit. <laughs> Rather than, oh, yeah, my friend my friend Bill buys this shit all the time, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and whatever. <laughs> In any case, uh, basically, as it's going on, Tula's basically finished out, like, fixing the shuttlecraft, but she notices that the main gear is missing, which I like this picture in the book, which just describes it as main gear. Naturally. <laughs> yeah, what else would like, you call the main gear? Yeah, I guess you would call it the main gear. Capitalizing everything, it's that important. <laughs> and, like, she, she basically asks the cat if she knows where you can find another one, and Randall, who's just been hanging out this time, says he knows where you can find one. Uh, also, this is something that happens subtly throughout this episode, and it's kind of stuff you need to, like, really pay close attention or, like, freeze frame at times, but you can also subtly notice that, like, during the scene where she's, like, describing the origin of her name, her hand number changes to 113, then 108, then mm -hmm. back to 114. <laughs> Very foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, that number's all over the place today. Yeah, it's, it's gonna change more, too, by the end of this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they go ahead and follow Randall, and he basically just, like, fucking Moses parts the ocean aside, more or less, to lead him to, like, a bubble town more, that, I guess, just exists here. I don't know. This is something that brings up the greater question of what is randall's deal because there's also a shot and this is something i didn't see myself i saw it on the wiki mm -hmm. but there's apparently a shot where they show a zoom out of the of the ocean itself and you can see a randall face on the water itself so the entire ocean is randall mm -hmm. but also there's all these other randalls that live here and also like this town is like in like like i said like it's in like a bubble it's not like just part of the water itself yeah so <laughs> I don't, I don't know what's going on here with, with the Randalls. I, I just don't see what's so hard to get past. Randall is self-propagating and has the ability to create water at will. I guess. Uh, do, do Randalls, do, do the Randalls ever come back after this episode? Um, I mean, I. Do you want me to tell you that? Uh, I feel like if it's potentially spoilers, then no, I guess. Like. Everything is spoilers. I mean, me telling I, I you guess, what Andy's yeah. job was is spoilers. But how... Yeah, but is it really? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I guess. But yeah, so, all right. I'll, yes, Randall does come back several times over the course of the series. He's in, okay. I believe, all but the last season, so. Gotcha, okay. So maybe we'll find out more of Randall's deal. <laughs> or the Randall's deal, I don't know. Listen, he's just a sweet New Zealandish water himbo. <laughs> <laughs> Who can who can uh, create puddles of himself that become much smaller Randalls that also try to sell you on pyramid schemes? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. And he's like uh, he's like multiple men from the X Men. You were done that too, because I have never really been an X Men person. <laughs> uh, in any case, uh, in the town they arrive at a just a straight up a shop that just sells gears apparently and nothing else. <laughs> Because well, it's sure. just called the gear shop. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but basically there, the shopkeeper only wants uh, the daisy in Tulip's hair that one one had earlier picked for her and given to her. Basically just being, like, after she told the story of her name origin, like, one one ran up, picked the flower, and was like, look, Tulip, it's you. And she's like, that's a daisy. <laughs> but she <laughs> took it anyway, put it in her hair. <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically he only wants that because it has, like, high symbolic value. At least a one one, mm-hmm. not so much really the tulip necessarily, but like she she still at least hesitates a little bit and like stares down the shopkeeper trying to basically like see if he'll break on that, but she she breaks easily before because she is a teenager and this guy is a salesperson, <laughs> <laughs> so well, she. That's weird because like I feel like the shopkeeper is a Randall, you know, you can distract a Randall yeah. pretty easily, but I guess she doesn't know Randall's well enough by now to realize that. <laughs> Yeah, not not yet. She will in like five minutes time, <laughs> but not just yet. Uh, in case, yeah, she she tosses the daisy over to get the gear, and as they walk off, uh, sad one in particular. I know it's sad one because of the context, the context here mentions that his mechanical heart has been broken, and he hopes the warranty is still good. Which uh, actually, to her credit, does make Tula pretty conflicted over what she did, but she she has to try to get off the train. So I guess she has to do what she has to do. <laughs> Uh, in any case, uh, with the gear in place, the telegraph is fixed, and Tulip tries to awkwardly say to one one that this is goodbye, since she can't take him with her off the train, and he sadly agrees with this plan if it'll help her, and he and the cat take off, since again, Tulip can't fit in the telegraph because it's designed for a cat, <laughs> not for a teenager. Uh, with, uh, at this point also said when saying goodbye forever, it's like popping out of the canopy as they depart, which they do by, like, firing off, like, a magnet, more or less, to, like, different parts of the train that then pulls the telegraph towards it, I guess? Yeah, <laughs> it's, a... it's it's very cool. It, like, slides along the top of the train with no wheels, but just magnetically accelerates itself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a magnetic grappling hook or whatever that attaches but doesn't have, like, a line exactly, that attaches yeah. to the telegraph and it just pulls it along afterwards. It's like a so... railgun, but the ammunition is a cat. <laughs> Uh, that's also horrifying. Yeah, it is. I'm so sorry I said yeah. it. <laughs> is that the title? <laughs> Welcome with the Emma with the cat. <laughs> I feel like there's a few horrifying titles we can drop from this episode so far. Yeah, yeah. That title also might be too long, to be fair. Uh, in any case, uh, Tulip returns to the beach car to basically just kind of depressingly sit down on the beach waiting for the cat to get back. Only to have Randall come by and try and sell her on the donut holder immediately, but 
you know, she just easily knows those and just be like, not now, please. Uh, mm-hmm. And when Randall is uh, like a bit, like Randall tries to be like, oh, you know, just gotta find a different uh, market for this. Uh, and so Randall decides to just bud more Randalls off of himself yeah, yeah. to like enlist them in being partners in their business venture. <laughs> well, there's clearly an entire city of Randalls under the ocean. So presumably the Randalls buy things from other Randalls. So why not just make more Randalls to buy your thing? <laughs> and you're going to need more partners for your business venture too. So you got to have more Randalls to do that too. Exactly. Yeah. Totally makes sense when they have one, uh, exactly one, uh, what's your item to buy? <laughs> and only one. <laughs> Definitely need all these in place. Uh, but yeah, there's silly talk about, like, uh, sticking together through this and, all, and like, uh, being a team. Gets Kula even more depressed over her choice to give up one one for her own needs. <laughs> and she just admits aloud that she doesn't know anything about the cat and just wanted to get off the train. And then resolves to try to fix this by saying that she'll take the donut holder if they can get her to the cat. So I, I don't know exactly how it is that Randall stays in business because uh, Tulip is saying you give me this and also do this for me and you get nothing in exchange, basically. Well, I feel like her intent is that she will buy the donut holder if Randall helps her. But yeah, Randall definitely her. does just hand her the donut holder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She puts it in her backpack. I feel like I think I remember that coming up at a later episode when she uses it for something. <laughs> uh, yeah, Making donuts, anyway. obviously. Yeah, exactly. You gotta make donuts with the donut holder. That's what it's there for. Uh, but yeah, the Randalls agree and all combine back into a larger Randall than the Randall Prime began with. I don't know how this works necessarily, but it's yeah. They're well, every time Randall. Randall replicates, it creates an equivalent Randall. So Th- this is true. Yeah, Randall does not get smaller. It's, exactly. It's always making an equivalent size Randall. So when you combine Randalls, they get bigger just because of mass. It it creates mass out of nowhere. Randall a, has the power to defy conservation <laughs> yeah. of mass. Science. The train doesn't have to obey our laws of physics. The train can do what it wants. <laughs> Uh, yeah, in any case, they combine, and, <laughs> fun, again, fun and Adolf, like, tells her to get into their body, and it's, like, it's, even says, like, it's not as weird as it sounds, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and so she does, and basically, like, Randall, uh, I guess, runs really fast, because basically just becomes, like, a, like, tidal wave, more or less, to just get, uh, Tulip to where she needs to go. But they do make a detour back to the gear shop real quick to rebuy the daisy for a pack of gum just drops off the gum it doesn't really even just barter but the shopkeep seems into it anyway so i guess it's okay yeah definitely <laughs> yeah uh but they quickly catch up with cat and two of the mans to call the off deal but the cat refuses and again another free frame you can see that her number is now 109 so it is lower than where it was when she was fixing the shuttlecraft <laughs> definitely yeah uh, she's losing yep. numbers quick yeah and Tulip and the Randalls basically just continue to get chase after the cat because she basically just says fuck you and tries to go faster. I don't know how you go faster with a magnetically pulled car, but she does. Uh, well, you just accelerate the electric charge to make the magnet more powerful. Uh, yeah, I guess that works. Uh, I hope that but... works. That was absolutely <laughs> techno babble. That's not how that works. Yeah. I mean, to be... she. This cat is driving in, like, a fucking glass ball that has no wheels and is using magnetism to pull itself, so... <laughs> you can make a bullshit if you want. <laughs> That's how this thing works. 
Uh, but yeah, when they catch up again, uh, Tulip asks Randall if he can slip into the cracks of the shuttlecraft, which he does and creates hundreds of little Randalls inside who short out the circuitry because they are still water people. <laughs> and that causes uh, basically everybody to just crash <laughs> immediately, which reunites one with Tulip. And the cat swears that she'll get re- that she'll regret this and just runs off as Tulip apologizes to one one, and he once again proves himself to be the best robot boy by saying that he knew she'd bounce back just like when her parents hatched her. He he says hatched. <laughs> one one does not know how babies are born. <laughs> That's, That's fair. One one's a robot. One, yeah, one one is a robot, and also like. Are we supposed to interpret one one as like a child? Because I feel like with like the, I think that's partly like the nonsense one one says, but also like I don't know if like, I think if I'm I think I'm remembering correctly, I think there is actually an explanation for why one one just says nonsense at times. That's addressed uh, by the end of book one. Yeah, um, yes, there is a reason that one one is the way one one is. Uh, my understanding is that we will get part of that answer at the end of book one, and then. We rest, will not like, necessarily later. know the rest. Okay, cool. Gotcha. But so. yes, uh, yeah. But the episode ends with Tulip putting the daisy back in her hair. So I, I'm going to keep an eye out for this daisy to see if it comes yeah. back. <laughs> what I can tell you, though, is that they are effectively a child. Like, they're not okay. literally a child. They are a robot. They're old, but they're... Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, it's like how like Bender from Futurama is technically a child because Bender is four years old, even though Bender was designed to be like a loudmouth, like obnoxious dickhead <laughs> at birth. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of yeah. the opposite of that in a way. One one's body is older than one one is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. In any case, uh, that's the first two episodes. Uh, yeah, that's uh. We on a train, choo-choo. Choo-choo. This train does not uh, choo-choo enough. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. But also at the same time, I mean, the engine is, like, literally a week's travel by, like, That's weird true. cat shuttlecraft. <laughs> so, like, if the choo-choo in the front was choo-chooing, I don't think you would hear it necessarily yeah, where they are in the though. train. <laughs> yeah, it's not, like, it's not like Thunder where you would hear it, like, seconds later. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that's something I'm also going to keep track of whenever we're near the front of the train at times in these seasons to be like, is it ever doing the whistle? <laughs> See, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing out in the wasteland for it to necessarily need to inform people of its arrival. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But what's the point of a train if you're not going to blow the whistle? <laughs> exactly. I mean, even Doc Brown was like, I wanted to do that all my life when he did it in Back to the Future 3. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, I don't care how old you are. If you get the chance to do that, you're probably going to do that, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. At least, at, least, at least once. If you have the opportunity, why wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, in any case, I know we have trivia and also some questions. Which one did you want to do first? Uh, I think we usually do trivia first, or at least we did back when there was trivia. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's been so long, like, aside from, like, covering just some, like, voice actors that were added in for, like, a bit character in She-Ra that showed up for, like, two episodes yeah. at a time. If you'd like to do questions first, though, just to give you a break since you covered the last episode, we can do that. No, I think, I think I'm okay. Okay. We, yeah, yeah, by we, all means. We, 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 we've talked, like, both of us have talked enough near the end that I'm not, like, exhausted or anything, so I think I can, I think I'm okay. Sounds good. Yeah, but in any case, we have uh, a good amount of it because there's some hidden stuff, which we haven't had since Owl House, and also important characters. Uh, 
I'm going to go with Tulip last, because Tulip is kind of the biggest of them, I would say. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to her later, but uh, one one, as we said, is voiced by two different actors, with Glad One being voiced by Jeremy Crutchley, who played brother sis in a very short-lived Star Wars video game called Star Wars Uprising. It was a mobile game that apparently did shit, <laughs> but I noticed that there. Uh, it's also the person who plays Anton in Gotham and the narrator in We Bear Bears. <laughs> I think I think he had like a lot of like more like smaller roles in general based on what I saw. Yeah, I definitely like, know that name. Um, yeah, because like, I'm seeing is that he does a lot of live action work, like uh, American yeah. Gods and so forth. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff like that. But like the only things I really recognize were Gotham and We Bear Bears. <laughs> I um, started writing Brother Sis in Star Wars Uprising, and I was like, "What the fuck is Star Wars Uprising? Oh, it's a shitty mobile game." Of yeah, course. <laughs> Blacklist, uh, Blue Bloods, uh, MacGyver, American Gods, Salem. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Like usually, a lot like, of for, live like, action ep- work for sure. Like usually for like an episode or two, just like a bit character or whatever. Hannibal, <laughs> Constantine. <laughs> Yeah. Dude has just been in every show where they need someone spooky to glower at the camera. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Which is funny that he voices Glad One, who's the upbeat one. (laughs) Uh, The The Scorpion King 2. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) But yeah, on the outside side of things, uh, Sad One is voiced by the show's creator, Owen Dennis, who is also a writer and storyboard artist on Regular Show. He's not really a voice actor, necessarily, but he's he's important to the show because he helped create it. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. The cat is voiced by Kate Mulgrew, who played Rachel Prescott in Camp Nowhere. Admiral how, Catherine Jane... Huh? Yeah, how, how is anything but Janeway your first pick when you're talking about Catherine Mulgrew? Because I, I was going in fucking chronological order based on the Wikipedia article. No one cares about theory. chronological order, but people care about <laughs> Captain Janeway. <laughs> okay, well, I, to be fair, again, I haven't watched Star Trek, so I didn't know <laughs> that she's a big fucking deal, because she's her in Voyager, Nemesis, Prodigy, and a bunch of different Star Trek video games. <laughs> And she's also Flemeth in the Dragon Age games. I don't know who Flemeth is. <laughs> I you played don't... Inquisition. I don't remember who Flemeth is. Uh, Flemeth is Morrigan's mom. Oh, okay. I, I think you meet her, like, very briefly, because you also meet Morgan very briefly. Yeah. Morgan? Morgan. No. Morgan, yes. Morgan. Like yeah. the goddess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Randalls are voiced by Reese Darby, who plays, uh, I think, Stead Bonnet? Steed Bonnet? I don't know Steed, the pronunciation. Yeah. Steed, yeah, and Our Flag Means Death, which I have not watched. That's why I don't know the pronunciation. I haven't uh, either, but as previously mentioned, I had a pirate phase, and Steed Bonnet was a real dude in history. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. All those characters based on other people, right. Uh, he also plays Neil the Eel in the Netflix reboot of Carmen Sandiego, which I totally had forgot existed, and I'm sure it's probably cancelled, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not cancelled, but it got five seasons and finished, so... Oh, did it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, good on that, I guess. <laughs> I totally forgot that that was a thing until I was like, oh, right, that thing. <laughs> I enjoyed that show, but I don't think it would work very well for our format, because a lot of it is, well, it's not gay is the problem, really. Uh, yeah, well, that's the problem. <laughs> uh, yes, he also voices the Hypnopotamus in Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Eddie in Star vs. The, Force, uh, the Force of Evil, uh, Corrin, I think is how you pronounce that, in Voltron Leg- Legendary Defender, and Steve in Wrecked. I don't know what Wrecked is, but it had that as like one of the major credits. <laughs> yeah, no idea. 
Yeah, I mostly go based on like, oh, if they if, if they play this character in more than like three episodes, is something I usually will cover. I'm sorry, Carmen actor. Sandiego only got four seasons, not five. My mistake. More than most Netflix shows, to be fair. <laughs> most get like one or two, and then they get canceled. <laughs> so, again, still good on that show. <laughs> uh, but yes, but the big one is Tulip, who is, of course, voiced by Ashley Johnson, who, if you are on the internet, you know who Ashley Johnson is. Yeah. <laughs> she has kind of too much, but uh, the big ones is that uh, I think her lead, her like first role as a kid was playing Chrissy Saver, Saver on Growing Pains. I couldn't tell yeah. you. Yeah, I never watched Growing Pains. So Sitcoms, I don't know huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she is like famously Ellie in the Last of Us games and plays Anna in the live action show because I know like her and Troy Baker have like characters that they play in the live yeah. action obviously too old to play well i guess actually troy baker's probably old enough to play joel but she is way too old to play a 15 year old <laughs> uh even though she plays 13 year old in this show obviously <laughs> uh this is something i also forgot she is fucking gretchen grundler in recess i did mm-hmm. not catch on to that until i thought of it. it's like oh yeah that is just her voice yeah. yeah yeah that is definitely her uh she's also tara in teen titans uh Gordas in The Good Tales from the Borderlands, not the recent one. AKA <laughs> <laughs> oh the only good Borderlands, anything. <laughs> Tales from the Borderlands. That was wild. Uh, yeah. It made me laugh so hard I like hiccuped or something. I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, most famously, she is on Critical Role as Pike Trickfoot, Yasha Nidurin, as how I'm choosing to pronounce Yasha's last name, and Fern Calloway in their various campaigns. I'm pretty sure Yasha's last name never actually got said in the game. <laughs> I don't know. I tried watching a little bit of season two and like near the start, and I thought they said her last name at some point. Maybe just like the introduction of like what she looked like when first introduced. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Turns out uh, she was able to pick uh, much easier to pronounce character last names in campaign one and three compared to two. <laughs> yeah, well, that'll happen. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So that's how it comes when uh, you're making characters in the fantasy setting. Sometimes you just <laughs> use normal names, and sometimes you just make up bullshit. <laughs> uh, yes. In any case, that's the main ones. Obviously, like I said, we didn't. I didn't jot down her parents' voice actors just yet, but we'll cover them whenever they come up in the flashback. It's just yeah. there was a little bit too much in the first two episodes to cover. Totally uh, understandable. Yeah, but that's for general other trivia. Uh, in the first episode, uh, when we're in Tula's room, we see that she has a binary code poster in her room that, when translated, says, love is love. <laughs> a fan decoded that, and uh, the show creators liked the tweet, so confirmed that that's what it is. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, while I appreciate that, there's not a ton of ambiguity when it comes to binary. It's not like it's a fantasy language that you have to decode. Yeah, that's that's true, yeah. But I don't think they, like, confirmed it. They don't think they said it themselves, but it's, like, that, like, is, like, enough confirmation that it's, like, yeah, that is the intent. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but the scene when uh, Tulip says that the snowman was probably built by the North St. Paul kids, it's a nod to the real mascot of the real school by the same name. But <laughs> it was also, like, I think I think it was, like, ten minutes down the road from where uh, Owen Dennis grew up. <laughs> so he just decided to reference them here. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, and the only other thing I really have that we haven't really covered, like stuff like the ocean being all Randall, is that there was apparently a cut line near the end that had Randall say that he is evaporating from the heat of the wasteland, which 
if it was left in, would easily address why Tula just can't ride Randall to the front of the train. Because, <laughs> like, I was even just like, wait a sec, but Randall just proved that he can go really fast on the top of the train. Why not just yeah. ride them to get to the front? <laughs> they go as fast as the cat's fucking car, and obviously, like, Randall will just do whatever because you, you air quotes, bought the donut holder from them. <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah, it's very... So this is from Randall's personal page, but like according to the trivia on the Randall page on the wiki, he is one of, if not the most powerful being on the Infinity Train, surely because of his ability to self-replicate, as well as the fact that he is apparently impervious to all emotional and physical damage. <laughs> so... <laughs> Except apparently, well, I guess maybe that changed with uh, them taking out the line of him evaporating in the heat of the wasteland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's just he he's he he finally bought life support uh, heat like intense heat environments. So <laughs> it's only like two character points. It ain't that much. You just gotta put points into it eventually. Yeah, but oh, it's he could have helped, but he didn't. So. Yeah. Well, that, that, I think, comes into, like, the bigger question of, like, the train in general, I think. I don't know if this is something that ever also gets addressed, but it's, like, I mean, people are able to leave the train cars when they're fr presumably from the train cars. Like, the cat, like, ha I know the cat has, like, a different place that we go to in a later episode that's, like, a, like, room filled with other stuff. So, like, the cat can leave to go to other cars. Mm -hmm. Randall proves that he they can hear. Yeah. One one I know also is proof that you can leave the cars and like uh, uh, we'll meet a character in the third episode who also leaves the cars to follow them on the adventure. So it's like, do the people in the cars just basically like I don't know like are the cars like full worlds? Are they just like a like like if you walk too far away from where the door is, do you just hit invisible barriers like it's a fucking like 2010 video game or something? Well, I think that really depends on the car, like. You already mentioned in the next episode we'll meet a character who follows them, but, like, that specific car is, at the very least, an entire continent, so... Yeah. Yeah, who knows? It's, uh, it's, yeah, the train is weird, but, like, I mean, like, some of the, some of the cars are small, like the grid car and the crossword puzzle car, and mm -hmm. even, I guess, technically the pinball car... It's like it's 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 a big pinball machine, but it's like it's not like this man of a world like some of these other yeah. ones seem. Some so of these like... cars are just unfathomably big. Like the the further yeah. we get into the series, the more we'll see like the train playing with scale and expectation, and it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's there's a lot of like existential questions about the people that live on the train, I guess, because it's like. Not everybody on the train obviously has a number on their hand, so it's just like that's only for passengers. So there's like there's people that like were either like created by the train or like their like worlds just exist in like a nebulous part of the world that also gets put like ported onto the train or something, mm -hmm. or like the train has a door to. I don't. It's it is a lot. <laughs> well, it does raise a lot of questions if you accept the train at face value, but the train may not necessarily be what we think it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like even just like looking at the train from like the outside, like all well, the train cars are the same size. It's just like 
the difference is that literally like inside it's it's like a pokemon uh like uh building it's way bigger on the inside than on the outside <laughs> well that but also i mean like this could be a labyrinth situation i'm just saying yeah goodness because <laughs> if you're not familiar with the end of labyrinth 1985 starring jennifer connelly and david bowie the greatest movie ever created um at the end of the movie, when Sarah goes back home, like everyone and everything she met in the labyrinth exists in her room as like her toys and drawings and posters and stuff. It's kind of implied at the end there that the labyrinth was never real. That was just a metaphor for her figuring out her stuff and going through, you know, teen emotions. I, yeah, I, I, I did happen to see that there was like a theory of like the train doesn't actually exist. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which brings up a lot more questions. <laughs> Like, I, I feel like just the fact that the show is called Infinity Train kind of comes with the assumption that the train is a real thing. But it doesn't have <laughs> but, to be. That's but, the thing. But, the train yeah, but is what it is. It, like, it is what it represents to the people who need it. So if that is a way to figure out how to deal with your parents' divorce, so be it. But maybe it's something else to someone else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Like, maybe it is a never-ending hunt for your mother, if you happen to be a tiny robot. <laughs> <laughs> who has no context of who your mother is, what she looks like, or even if, even if she even exists, because you are a robot. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> now, there are things that'll happen later in the show that will challenge what I'm asserting here, so... Probably is real, but as of this point in the first season, I feel like the train is more metaphorical than real. <laughs> but that's not always true. It just depends on who's looking at the train. <laughs> <laughs> the train is many things to you, and it's like the train's existence all depends on whether you want the train to exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, existentially horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um. So we do have some questions this week. It's the first time in a while. So if you have questions, you can send them to us at usweirdoscast on Twitter or at usweirdos on co-host. This week, we, we, first... we, also, we also technically still have the Gmail. Not that anybody sends anything there. That's true. We do still have the Gmail, usweirdoscast at gmail.com. I forgot we had that. <laughs> to be fair, we've only been using it now for the Patreon. <laughs> uh... This week, uh, M. Healy, at M. of Healy on Twitter, asks, just to get it out of the way early, what are your general thoughts about trains? Thumbs up. <laughs> trains good. Um, yeah, I, I don't really... I don't have strong emotions regarding trains. Uh, they're a superior form of transit to cars, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the difference here comes with the fact that, like, I literally had to go on a train to basically get almost anywhere for, like, half a year when I was living in Japan. Uh, so, my like, feelings about trains are that it stinks that they're blowing up all of a sudden. Yeah, they keep falling over, huh? Turns out when uh, the president does everything in his power to stop train unions from demanding uh, better safety precautions and time off and more staff, uh, shit goes bad. Ah, so that's why you picked this series. <laughs> no, attention I... to the unionization efforts, I see. <laughs> we decided on Infinity Train before the recent train stuff. <laughs> Oh, it's cool. But also, uh, but also, I'm, 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 I'm willing forever. to, I'm willing to accept this headcanon. 
That's a roundabout way for me telling the president to fuck off. <laughs> In Minecraft parody. <laughs> There's no chance that anybody from the government probably listens to this. <laughs> yeah, probably. But uh, seriously, uh, unionize, stand together. Uh, yeah. Strike, even if you're not allowed to. Seriously. Yep. Demand better. Illegal rail strikes. We need them. Trains. Yeah. But yeah, but no, I mean, like, aside from that, trains are cool. Like I said, I mentioned before that, like, I, like, my family had, like, a model train set when I was a kid yeah. growing up, and that was always cool. That was neat. Uh, can... I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show so far, but I do play the bagpipes. And when I live in San Antonio, I'm in a bagpipe band. And every Christmas, we go to the uh, San Antonio, uh, what is it called? Transportation Museum. And they put us on a actual train that rolls back and forth around the track for the sake of the museum and have us play music <laughs> at the patrons very loudly. So <laughs> my feelings are uh, it's pretty cool to play bagpipes on a train. Also, you will fall over if you're not careful. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to fall over on trains. I mean, like, again, like uh, trying to cram into like the pretty busy trains, especially with like my one connection going to and from work being in Ikibukuro which is a pretty busy part of Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Basically, uh, it would always be pretty cramped, and it's like, well, I gotta be able to grab onto something that's not a person, because uh, <laughs> don't want to <laughs> fall over. Uh, I, I'm not realizing that probably actually my experience on the train would probably be not as positive uh, if I was there presenting as I am now, considering the shit you hear about some really creepy guys on trains in Japan. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but... I mean, overall, train's good. They're pretty cool. I during the like five weeks I lived in my old place, I would actually pass by like a like like an outdoor trolley museum on my way to work, and it's like that's a, that's like pretty close to where I work actually. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, have I never? Well, it's like I've never noticed this thing because I've been going a different way to get to work from now, like before then. So it's like, wow, this is right here, huh? This is cool. I should check this out at some point. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I think you might really like the uh, Texas Transportation Museum. It's one of the buildings inside is just miles and miles and miles of uh, model trains all over the place. So, Ooh. yeah, well, yeah, trains are neat. Um, uh, the next question we've got is from Aurora Borealis at Casey Cosmos on Twitter. What is an escape room theme you would want to see? Yeah, I'd, I'd ask for some clarification to this earlier if she meant, like, uh, on the train or just in general. But well, I'm going to assume in general, but it is kind of themed because the train cars do have puzzles that you have to... Yeah, there's probably absolutely an escape room train car. <laughs> I don't feel like there is because, I, I mean, if by the definition of escape room, yes, but I don't feel like there isn't the escape room car, you know? <laughs> hmm. Because that would just be too complicated. You got to solve the puzzle to get out, and <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the nature of the train. Sometimes you can't solve it; you just die. Rip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but escape rooms are usually timed, is the thing, and so. Ah, true. Yeah. If you don't solve it on time on the train, that's when when they release the poison gas. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um... I'll tell you this, my ideal escape room is you walk into a room, and in the middle of the room there is a box on the floor, and in that box, the key to exit the room is sitting, but sitting on top of the key is a cat, so you have to get the cat to like you to escape. 
<laughs> oh, that's that's a real crapshoot. That really depends on the cat. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not even a puzzle, necessarily. That just depends on whether the cat's feeling like being a dick. <laughs> like, if you, if you found, if you, if the cat woke up in a good mood <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah, but then you get to meet a kitty. <laughs> I'm sure there's a cat car on the train if you want to meet kitties at bed. I mean, we're going to get to the corgi car next time. Uh, well, there is a cat car on the train, but it's not what you're imagining, so... Oh, I, I, yeah, I think that might be the cat's car, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this is kind of a hard question for me to answer, because I've never actually done escape rooms. Yeah, same. I mean, yeah. Um... Um, maybe it's just like a room where it's like there's like a dozen ferrets hidden somewhere in there find where they are <laughs> good luck <laughs> ferrets can be very tricky and sneak into stuff that you won't expect them to <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that's not really like an escape room theme because like they're usually more like I'm like I, well not all of them but like some of them are like designed around like here's like a like scene of like something that you would expect from like a saw movie or something where mm -hmm. it's like you figure out this solution it's got a bunch of like mass murder aesthetic to it or whatever yeah. even though it's actually not because it's obviously not going to go ahead and murder patrons who can't solve it <laughs> well, that might get you shut down pretty one quick by me that's themed to scooby-doo so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, like, I feel like with that, it's usually just, like, the answer is just always, like, whoever they meet at, like, the very start who's, like, involved with, like, the location of the spooky stuff. Because it's always that old guy. <laughs> well, that's true, but that's not going to be the case in an escape room. Because in an escape room, it, like, you're not going to have people wandering in and out to be the cast of characters. Yeah. So I guess you know from the beginning that maybe the villain is the staff member who escorts you into the room. But that's assuming there even is a villain and that it's not just Scooby-Doo-themed puzzles. This is true. Well, yeah. Um, um, I mean, I, I feel like it's something that, like... I think you could probably, like, theme in this game room to, like, again, like, just, like, a general, like, murder mystery of, like... Oh, this, like, this, I mean, it'd be, like, a mannequin or whatever, but it's, like, they're dead, you gotta figure out who did it, or, or like, figure out how they died, and it's, like, there's, like, a bunch of, like, things around there of just, like, it's just, like, like an environmental thing rather than a person, because, like, I think, because yeah. they usually, I don't think they usually have, like, a bunch of, like, people from the company itself in the well, room Well, some itself of them do have like actors, people. but, like, the yeah. thing that I'm imagining, you know, a, a I don't know if you're familiar, but there is a product called an escape room in a box. It's a very popular style of board game these days, and basically it just gives you a bunch of papers and clues and stuff, and then you have to go through that and figure out who the bad guy is based on the clues. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I read like that. Like, you'll read newspaper entries that mention this guy, and then you can point to him as the murderer or whatever. So that's a yeah. lot more what I imagine, rather than there being a live actor who is playing the murderer yeah. and sitting in the corner the whole time. At, at that point, though, aren't you kind of just playing Clue, in a sense? <laughs> I mean, in a way, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so uh, we don't know anything about escape rooms, so that was wildly speculating yeah. for five minutes. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> now, the last question we have for today is from Symbolic Godzilla in the Audio Entropy Discord server. I do not have a Twitter handle for them, I, so I apologize. Uh, 
What kind of vehicle would you use to travel over an ocean made entirely of the same guy, other than a really long train? <laughs> well, I mean, we're not dri- the train isn't going over Randall. Randall's just in one of the cars. You don't know train. that. Maybe that wasteland uh, is a Randall. Maybe it's a huge Randall. <laughs> this is when, uh, if this was a video, we'd be zooming out on the entire planet, and it's just the Earth, but it's got a Randall face on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are all Randall all along. Uh, microorganisms in the Randall microbiome. <laughs> <laughs> That, I, did, I, re, I did read something earlier of people speculating, like, is all the water on the train a Randall? Like, are you drinking Randall at times? I don't think all the water in the train is Randall, but, like, probably a say, significant though. percentage of it. Yeah. I think you pour a glass of water and you have to always look in it real quick just to see if you see a little smiley face in it, being like, okay, it's not Randall. Okay, cool. Let's, let's get a drink. <laughs> yeah, um... I guess as far as what kind of vehicle we'd use, I mean, it would have to be a Randall, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my my instinct, for some reason, just uh, was the boat from Wind Waker and the King of Red Lions. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that makes sense to me because of the boat, but at the same time, yeah, you could just jump inside the ocean and be like, hey, can you get me to, like, Europe? And it's like, okay. <laughs> well, not even thinking about that, but, like... Tulip got to ride Randall in this episode, and that was very effective, so... Yeah. <laughs> like, Randall can move as fast as whatever we would really call the shuttlecraft. And actually, I need to see now if the shuttlecraft has a name. <laughs> like, if there's, like, a way to describe it besides just... Uh, well, the wiki immediately brings you to the cat's shuttlecraft, so I guess not. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. Um... Blah, 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 blah. Does not really say anything about how it works. So I guess we're not doing hard science in this show. <laughs> I mean, shock. if we if we were, the train would have a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, I mean, it's yeah, like... No, yeah, I feel like that's also kind of a straightforward one, but it's like, yeah, you either use Randall themselves or you use a boat, I think, because how else are you going to traverse an ocean made of a guy? Okay, what if we had a boat made of Randalls? <laughs> to sail across the Randall Ocean? Exactly. <laughs> isn't that kind of just, hmm? isn't that kind of just riding Randall, but a smaller Randall again? <laughs> it is, but if you could convince him to be a boat, though... <laughs> Like having to basically ask him to take the shape of a boat and hold that, and also be solid enough you'd actually be in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think he'd be down with that. Randall's an interesting guy. He loves new experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it doesn't seem like it takes a whole lot to convince Randall to do something. I mean, considering that Randall will help you out if you go ahead and take a lead pipe from Randall. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh... oh, sorry. Bye. <laughs> buy it with uh, no money. <laughs> yeah, that is a thing that I should... Like, maybe this is the, the RPG player in me, but finding out that the train doesn't really use money, I don't know why Tulip doesn't just start scooping whatever she can get into her bag. Like, <laughs> if there's a barter system, you want to have something to barter, and she doesn't yeah, right you gotta, now. Yeah, you gotta have shit. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, like she's got, she had a pack of gum. She doesn't have that anymore. She instead has to has the donut holder. Yeah. She has her backpack and her jacket, but it's like she probably want to keep those. Like if you're familiar with the uh, with the game Changeling to Lost, it's one of the uh, World of Darkness games. Mm-hmm. A lot of the way getting magic stuff works in that game is by bartering. But to do that, you have to get stuff that you make a convincing point for. So it's like constantly incentivizing you to have emotional connections to objects because that's what makes them valuable not the properties of the object itself if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so that like maybe i've just played that game too much maybe i have too much experience but (laughs) yeah i I feel like this is an easy pull and she's not going for it uh the the worst case scenario of a person being like oh i could give you this magic thing but uh what you got on you that's like the most important to you and it's like well i've got my hrt bottle but i don't want to give that to you well it's too bad that's the only thing i want now yeah exactly (laughs) it's like fuck you want to avoid trading the valuable items yeah i don't want to give you my hormones Do I want to trade my fancy blue lantern ring? No, absolutely not. But if it's that or the titty pills that I'll need for the next week while I travel to the engineer's car, let's go. <laughs> See, that's why you just got to make sure that if you're going on the crazy ass train that you actually have switched to injections by that point. This way you just got to do it once a week and then it's like, all right, let's get the fucking tr- in front of the train. Randall, let's go. We got a week. Yeah. <laughs> That would be yep. such a nightmare. Oh, jeez. Oh, uh, I didn't even think of that. Ugh. Trying to remember to take pills on the train when it's constantly changing yeah. from day to night. And Yeah. Ugh. Like, I mean, like, presumably your uh, smartphone probably can't keep track of time while you're on uh, this fucking train. Cause, like, it I would assume it would not have service, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be able to keep track of it accurately. So, like, Unless there's train you... Wi-Fi. Like, you'd have to have, like, an actual physical watch that hopefully doesn't have a low battery before you get on the train so it doesn't die and uh-huh. like actually be using that and like having to keep track of days in your head or in a notebook or something yeah, yeah again again just any given do, car like, can have any given time of day and they're not synced up so yeah again that's why it's easier just do injections once a week boom all right <laughs> hopefully i can keep track of enough, enough days over the next week <laughs> or I guess the worst case scenario is you gotta wait till I have bad gender feels and be like, okay, it's gotta be a week, right? <laughs> yeah. Time to put it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. The train well, is horrifying. Was... <laughs> it's the moral of the story, really. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, thank you to everyone who sent in questions. We really enjoy having those to uh, spur our conversations, as I'm sure you can tell. We, we definitely went all sorts of directions with that. So, But yeah, that's, uh, that's our first episode on Infinity Train. What do you think? Yeah, I'm excited to watch past where I left off. And also, I mean, <laughs> I, I remember, like, vagaries of this book. Like, I, I know, like, how it goes it's near the weird end. in a way. Like, to me, I think season two is my favorite part. Or book two, again, sorry, terminology, books. Ugh. Pretentious. Book two is probably my favorite of Infinity Train. So it's nice to go back to this season and watch it again with that future perspective and see what's going on. And mm-hmm. I do like this season. It's just, like... 
when does my stuff start, you know? I, yeah. <laughs> I, can, I mean, this is, I guess, essentially my stuff, because this is all I know of Infinity Train, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, again, I've heard things about, like, some of the other seasons. Like, I know who the protagonist of book two is. Okay, yeah, that's... Hmm. <laughs> yep. If you know who the protagonist of book two is, uh, it probably doesn't surprise you that that's my season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, uh, to be fair... We're gonna t- like we've been having a lot of like trans allegories already on Animorphs. Just three episodes into that, we're gonna have a lot in uh, <laughs> Book Two of Infinity Train. <laughs> it's based on stuff I've heard people say. <laughs> but yeah, it, um, by and large, I really don't know much about books three and four though. So be curious fair, once yeah. you get there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, book three is. Very different than the books that came before it, but I guess that kind of happens every season on this show, so... Yep. Turns out when you have an anthology series and change uh, point-of-view characters, uh, different shit happens. Yes, indeed. (laughs) And Uh, and even with us covering technically, like, only about half of the length of show, we still hit over two hours. (laughs) That's true, but we had a lot of stuff to, like, intro and get through and talk yeah. about our history and all those character introductions and... Yeah. And also, like, I mean, our preamble was already still a half hour. <laughs> yeah, but that's pretty standard. Yeah. And hey, I made you talk about linguistics for ten minutes, so... <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in my brain, I was just like, I want to talk about mechs. Big <laughs> 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 stumpy mech. Hey, that's probably a pretty good time to say I don't know anything about grammar. I'm trained in forensic linguistics. That's thing that, that all that at the top was like mostly for show. <laughs> See, you would think I would know at least some of this stuff, considering I majored in English too. And meanwhile, I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I took a linguistics class in my like last year of college, but also my last year of college was uh, back in 2010. <laughs> yeah, forensic linguistics is a totally different thing. I know nothing about parts of speech except for the basics. <laughs> Yeah, I had to do research for that for that bit. <laughs> Again, more work than I do for the podcast. Because, uh, <laughs> I watch the episode and then I reject, take notes, and it's like, all right. The yeah, most I do enough. is the most I really do is trying to find a funny screenshot to put a funny caption on for the episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think. That's that that will that'll pretty much cover us for the episodes, yeah. So, yeah. if you have enjoyed this uh, particular brand of nonsense, you can check us out on Patreon, where we have an entirely separate show. The two of us, and also my very good longtime friend Kate, are rereading every Animorphs book in order on a secret patrons-only show called The Axe Files. It's uh, it's a lot, y'all. <laughs> yeah, it it sure is. <laughs> uh. As of when you're hearing this episode, we just finished recording the final episode for book one of Animorphs, although we haven't actually released any of them yet while we're recording this, so... (laughs) Yeah, we're going to record that the day after the Patreon actually goes live. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Complicated. Yeah, it turns out when you uh, record some episodes and then are not able to put them out, really, because we weren't sure how long we would be able to continue doing the podcast when my housing shit was going on. Uh, Yeah, it's like a case of me being like, well, yeah, I've got like three episodes of the Nuzlocke already recorded. Hey, I don't mind having a buffer. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've dated it before. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, the uh, that's available at the lowest level of our Patreon. But if you bump up to the five dollar level, we uh, we do other stuff. Viv, you're doing uh, weekly Let's Plays, yeah? Yeah, I, I think uh, this weekend I might do an hour of me playing Phantom Brigade, just because I talked about it, and because, yeah. like, it's it's new, and also, like, not to spoil a lot of stuff, but, like, oh boy, if you watch those first few episodes of those, like, you'd be like, yeah, this makes sense why you'd want to take a break from this for a week. <laughs> 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 like, two and a half hours, like, two hours, 40 minutes, or whatever, into that game, just uh, about to finally leave the first island and being like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Shit's gone bad already. Yeah. <laughs> And at the same time, I'll be doing uh, weekly book recommendations. I uh, I will be using my powers as a librarian to collate a list of uh, queer reading materials. I tend to do a lot of graphic novels just because that's what I like reading, but I try to be as expansive as possible in this collection. So there's all sorts of stuff. Just the main theme is that uh, they're gay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, ultimately, we're not looking to, like, make money, and we know that a lot of folks don't necessarily have it, but we're just trying to offset our server costs a little bit, and uh, if that means making a totally separate show, which is a lot of fun, we're happy to do it, so. Te technically, they're entirely separate shows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, like, I don't, I don't know exactly how long your book recommendations are, but like I said, I aim for, like, 45 minutes to an hour with the, the Let's Play stuff. Oh, I do these in essay format. They're not recorded, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, think like a book review column in a newspaper. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, in that case, I don't know how long it takes you to get down your thoughts and write that out. Uh, it kind of depends on the book. Like, if it's a book that I know well, I can usually get through it pretty quick. But if it's one that I've only read once or twice, then Yeah, it's... <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. And yeah, that's, uh, you know, just... We won't give you the whole spiel every week because we know that that gets old fast. But yeah. since it's still new, that's that's where we're sitting. <laughs> mm -hmm. And yep. if you are interested in our work that you don't have to pay $2 a month for, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Patch underscore Jacket, where I have been retweeting kind of a lot of news lately. Things have been going wild and also yeah. at nobody on co-host. <laughs> yeah, shit just keeps happening, huh? <laughs> sure does. Yep. As you usually can find me retweeting the same stuff at the underscore Oblivion on Twitter and just at, uh, well, I guess it's, it is technically at for co-host as well, right? It sure is. <laughs> yeah, at Oblivion as well there. <laughs> just the usual. <laughs> just sounds like Oblivion, but also Vivian's in there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, I don't know where you come up with your handles, but it's always interesting to me how complicated that... they get. See, uh, okay, true, but also that was a spark of inspiration when I thought of the name Vivian, being like, oh, I could make my handle be like Oblivion, but as a Vivian, <laughs> like sa literally same day, <laughs> and that kind of like tipped me over, being like, yeah, that seems right. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like I, I mean, the, the the old Chloe Phil Chaos one was really just like a like I don't I, I thought of like well Chloe Phil sounds like chlorophyll, and it's like I guess that's the closest I can really think of like a jokey name that includes my, like, at the time, chosen name, so it's like, Ugh. <laughs> so this is, this is that, but, like, somebody, like, more than one person also thought the same, which is why I have 
at the underscore on Twitter because somebody else has at Oblivion on Twitter. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, that, that I guess I got to it sooner than they did on co-host. That's why I have the, the one without the the there. <laughs> uh, yep. Okay, well, I think that's our episode for today. But until next time, there's not much left to say. But uh, remember... Us weirdos have, have to, to stick, stick together. together on a train. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>